At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Tuesday, February 19, 2019, the Beating the Book podcast is Gil Alexander. This is the one we've all been waiting for. March Madness covered every which way. We'll get to it ATS, and for you folks who just want to fill out a bracket, we'll do it straight up as well with Greg Peterson and Adam Stanko. That's coming up. But first, as we always do, we started out with the Giant Killers segment. This time, Seth Walder from ESPN Analytics is on the job. That's how we do it. March Madness covered with props as well on today's Beating the Book podcast. Enjoy. Uh, Seth Walter, uh, ESPN analytics writer, does such a great job. Now, Seth, the real reason that we're here uh, with you today and the reason we wanted you on and thank you so much for coming on is that you took over the giant killer's mantle over at ESPN.com. We had Peter Keating on for so many years talking about it. I know uh, his colleague Jordan Brenner had done it for a while. You're on top of it as well. And we are here, Selection Sunday now. We know where the brackets uh, happen. We, we know what was selected and what brackets yesterday. So let's give the Giant Killers criteria first, if you would, and then delve into who are the best candidates. Absolutely. So we look at any team that is five seed lines below their opponent. That's a potential Giant Killer. That's what we're looking at. Essentially, we're looking for upset teams. And so the, the idea of the column has always been a quantitative first look at which teams are most likely to pull off that upset. So when we redesigned this model uh, a year ago, basically we took BPI, which is our sort of standard ESPN prediction tool for college basketball. That's the kind of thing where, you know, you turn on sports center, it says Duke's got a 61% chance to beat North Carolina. That's coming from BPI. We take that. And then my colleague, Paul Sabin put a sort of twist on it where he's essentially looking at the matchup of the individual teams based on uh, sort of opponent-adjusted box score t- statistics and how those strengths and weaknesses interact. And so that ends up spitting out a number 
for us to look at the upset chance for all of these matchups. And this could apply to a first-round matchup, uh, correct, but also could apply to a subsequent round if, say, a 12-seed advances, and it could happen down the road as well, not just a first-round possibility. Oh, for, for sure. And, of course, second round, you got built in. You'll have those, you know, seven versus twos, you know, nine versus ones. Those are all potential giant killers um, that, that we'll, we'll hit at some point. Okay. So as we look at the regions as they're currently constructed then, uh, what leaps off the page for you based on all that? Well, a couple of things. Number one, the, the numbers are lower here for the upsets compared to last year. So just across the board, I think we're talking about a, maybe a less crazy first round. Last year, we had our top upset pick was Loyola Chicago with a 46% chance to beat Miami. I bring it up because it worked out well. Sure did. But uh, this, this year, like our number one upset chance is 34%. That's Murray State over Marquette. Uh, so that's a big difference. I think that would have ranked four or five last year. So I think we're, we're talking about there's less obvious upset picks. Murray Stavers Marquette is a game, I think, even if we didn't have it as an upset pick, you, you got to watch that one. I mean, John Morant, Marcus Howard should be an incredible game. I just think that what, what the model is seeing is that just Murray State's two-point offense uh, from the floor with Morant, uh, both in terms of as a scorer and, and with his assists, makes them just an incredible threat. Obviously, Marquette's the better team, but if it falls just right, Murray State, definitely a real, a real chance to win that one. What's interesting about that to me is, and you're right, John Morant is must-viewing. Is must that, that's a 12-5 matchup in the West, by the way, between Murray State and Marquette. Uh, that's in Hartford on Thursday. Um, and we can flash up, by the way, the South Point line on that game, if you guys would, on the screen. But that is a um, – what's interesting is I just went through my sort of the championship formula, these six criteria that sort of work from year to year, and I was just saying how unsexy the results are this year. Like, it's such a top-heavy college basketball season that it was no mm. surprise – that it would be, you know, the Virginias and the Dukes and the Carolinas, Michigan, Michigan states of the world that that uh, that qualify. What I was hoping, I guess, is that we would have chaos at least in the first two rounds. And maybe, and I don't want to read into just one comment from you, but if you're saying the top giant killer possibility is 34%, oh no, maybe not. I think maybe not. And I, you know, there are definitely some interesting matchups. I, I think. Uh, you know, Vermont over Florida State is one that looks really enticing to me. St. Mary's over Villanova. But in terms of these, in terms of, yeah, like, of course we're going to have upsets. But I, I agree with you that it may not be that it's a crazy year uh, in terms of the upsets. But I also do think that it's maybe, you know, maybe it will be a little bit more surprising towards the end. I know that our numbers are very off from uh, Vegas in terms of in terms of Duke relative to Virginia and Gonzaga. So maybe we get the surprise at the end of this tournament mm -hmm. rather than the beginning. What what did come after Murray State in terms of percentage? Was it uh, Villano was it Montana or St. Mary's? So we have Belmont against Maryland. That's not a that's not a guaranteed matchup. Uh, I like Vermont over Florida State subjectively because I think what, you know Vermont's big strength offensively is shooting free throws. Uh, they're an excellent free throw shooting team, and Florida State though they have a really good defense, they put their opponents at the line an awful lot. So that just seems like a, a sort of one of those situations where uh, the matchup might make it just a little bit better. And that game, by the way, is also in Hartford, which is you know a, you know sort of a home game for Vermont. Uh, which I think was awfully kind of the committee to put the catamounts in Hartford. 
Sure is. Florida State, by the way, for those uh, betting 10-point favorites over Vermont at Hartford Marquette that we just spoke about, four-and-a-half-point favorites over Murray State. But you're saying Belmont, if they get by Temple over Maryland, is second to the Murray State in terms of giant killer percentage? Correct. We've got 32% there for Belmont. Temple's on the list, but they're farther down at 24% if they end up winning that first board matchup. Okay. What comes after Belmont? I'm just curious. It's interesting. That's, for, that's Vermont then at 27%. So I think that's where one where we probably have a pretty big difference with Vegas on that game. Uh, I think you said, what'd you say, 10-point 10, 10 dif- uh, line there? Yeah, 10-point line. Ten, uh, ten, uh, uh, Mark, uh, excuse me, FSU favored by 10, yes. Yeah, FSU favored by 10. So that, that sounds like, to me, a game where we would like where the model is probably more bullish on Vermont than the Vegas line. Yeah, but it really is apples and oranges, right? Like, obviously, this is a yeah. this is a market, and yours really is about sort of the volatility of results in some respects, right? It's sort of uh, if Vermont can get yeah. a certain pace going in their game uh, against uh, – and so, so much of this is pacing, right? Absolutely. And so, like, the game – and that, that's, like, a perfect – the game after that, St. Mary's and Villanova, I think that, that that really is what comes into play. It's sort of the range of outcomes, and we're looking at, well, how, you know, what's the range that St. Mary's wins? A team like Villanova, we, we you, you mentioned, right, second-round giant killers. It, we had identified before the tournament Villanova as a potential second-round giant killer. We were thinking of them as a, as a seven seed because of their style, which is super slow, and shooting a lot of threes. So there's a ton of variance in there. But that helps you as an underdog, but that hurts you when you're the favorite. And that's the, that's the reason why we actually like St. Mary's quite a bit against Villanova in the first round, just because of that pacing, like you mentioned. Talking to Seth Walder, at Seth Walder, by the way, W-A-L-D-E-R from ESPN, writes uh, and does a great job with analytics, talking giant killers with him. So Murray State... Uh, at 34% over Marquette. That's a four-and-a-half-point spread, by the way, for betters out there. Uh, followed by Belmont. If they get by Temple in the play-in game in Jacksonville, uh, they will uh, they, or they will then advance to Jacksonville on Thursday, take on University of Maryland. That would be a 6-11 game. That is in the East region there. And the other ones mentioned, again, St. Mary's, Vermont, Montana's in there. What's a, what's a game, Seth, that might surprise folks that isn't it doesn't register really high in your formula. I would say maybe Oregon, uh, you know, Oregon, Wisconsin, we only have it 17%. I'm not sure if that, I'm not sure if that goes contrary to what people, what it, people would think. I it, mean, it does, I, would, does that feel it, different to you? It does. Cause Oregon's a one point favorite based on the betting number. Oh my goodness. Wow. I had no idea. This is like yeah. one of those things, like the bracket comes out and then I just burrow my head in my computer for like, uh, for, for hours on end, just writing these matchups. I haven't even looked at the Vegas line. Um, so that's shocking to me just just off the top here. That's interesting, and I, I think it's particularly interesting because the one thing when I look at with Oregon is I consider I, our numbers do not explicitly consider in-season injuries. And so, while it's not a huge effect, Bull Bull played nine games for Oregon this year, was uh, obviously their best player, and so if anything, I would say we are overrating Oregon by a little bit because it, it, the model isn't accounting for the fact that it doesn't that he, Oregon doesn't have ball ball. So that's that's really interesting to me that we would be so down on them against Wisconsin. You know, really good defense, of course, Wisconsin. Uh, 
uh, and just have them at 17%. That's yeah. interesting. I, I actually think it's interesting that you don't look at the betting because I think that makes this more valuable to us because betting markets are very influenced by recency and your numbers mm. not nearly as much. So, so, so I think that that's an interesting uh, uh, difference between them. I, I leave you with this, Seth, because I, I was making the point in the uh, first segment of the show here today that I'm not one of these people who likes to complain because I think the committee did, relatively speaking, as long as Belmont was in there, everything else was sort <laughs> of like, you know, quibbles to me. Um, but one of the things I did mention was their treatment of the net rankings and mm. the fact that you had the NC, States, uh, NC State, Texas, Clemson, Furman, Memphis's of the world who were in the 30s or 40s of net rankings didn't get in, but yet Minnesota at 61, Arizona State at 63, St. John's at 73, all got in. Uh, I'm okay with that, but it was sort of that based on the methodology, a team's net rankings didn't seem to matter, but they were always quoting results against teams in net rankings quadrants. Did that bother you at all? It bothers me immensely. So (laughs) you're better than man than I. You say you don't like to complain about it. I absolutely like to complain about it. The committee's logic here is, and I wrote a story about this uh, last week. Um, The committee's logic with net ranking is, well, it's lacking. I think you know they made a big improvement with RP from RPI, sure, but it needs to sort out whether whether it wants net to be a resume metric or a team quality metric. And it's using it for different reasons, right? Like you said, they're always sorting, they're always quoting net to talk about opponents' rankings, but then they ignore it for the, for one team, but then sometimes they maybe use it. It's inconsistent, and we really, there's no reason to mush all these numbers together in, in almost in a really strange way uh, and then sometimes use it and then sometimes not. I find it very frustrating when we have numbers. That if it were up to me, I would just, it would just be the whole thing, all our large bids and seeding would be done on a resume basis, you know, whether that's a strength of record like we have or something similar. I, I think that's the right approach. I, I do think that they were very pick and choose where they want to use net and where they don't. And so uh, it does bother me, I think. Yeah, I mean, it bothers me too. I think I was I was trying to be more involved than I actually am, Seth, when uh, saying I don't complain. Greensboro, that... Greensboro was robbed. They, yes. That's not that's not a net one, but their strength of record uh, is uh, they really deserve to be in there. Greensboro is the team that that bothered me. Yeah, it should be mentioned, like the NIT for me this year, and I'm completely doing this just off the off the cuff here, Seth. But the NIT yeah. looks pretty stacked as far as NITs go. I know. I was thinking that too last night. I was looking at it. I was like, wow, maybe it's just because I'm paying attention to all these teams for giant killers that end up being like bubble teams or will miss out if they don't win their conference tournament. But I was like, wow, there's a lot of good teams in here. And uh, maybe a few of them should be in over St. John's or Minnesota. Yeah. And IT gets off uh, tomorrow. I got Providence at a pretty big number there. So I have a, I have never <laughs> been this excited for an NIT as I am with some action on it. Seth Walder from ESPN, uh, writing for ESPN Analytics. Seth, uh, thank you so much, man. We'll have you back on again if you're willing. Sounds great, Gil. Happy to come on anytime. Thank you, sir. Seth Walder from uh, ESPN.com, sports analytics writer. Support for today's show, as always, comes from bookmaker.eu, proud sponsor of this podcast. We're thrilled to have them aboard. And right now, once again, at bookmaker.eu slash Gil, that's Gil with two L's. You can join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now. Remember, 
bookmaker is where it is at. That's where the lines originate because chances are the sports book at which you have been betting follows their lines. Sophisticated bettors, recreational bettors, all are welcome. It's the place where they take the highest limits, pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player, and are first to post odds. You cannot beat it. Once again, bookmaker.eu slash gill with two L's to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300. But here's the deal. Two big NCAA March Madness bracket contests this year. The first is a 63-team bracket with a $1 million prize awarded to a perfect bracket, and then $10,000, $5,000, $2,500 prizes for first, second, and third place. Every completed bracket will get a prize, but once again, it's $10K, $5K, $2,500 for first, second, and third. All players get one free entry, and you can purchase more at $10 each. All the details at bookmaker.eu slash March hyphen madness. By the way, next week, second chance bracket contest as well. That's for the Sweet 16. That's $20 an entry. That'll have a 5K, $2,500, and 1K first, second, and third prizes. Again, in that one, every completed entry will win a prize. All the details for that at bookmaker.eu slash second hyphen chance hyphen bracket hyphen contest. So first, the 63-team bracket with the $1 million perfect bracket prize and the 10K first place prize as well. That's the one you're looking at right now, but you got to sign up at bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L. Stats and Information Network. Who's one of those idiots who believe in analytics? Analytics, statistics, and more are used to win wagers, and Gil has every number you need to cash your tickets. Now, live from the v studios in the South Point Hotel and Casino, it's Gil Alexander. This is going to be fun. It is a numbers game right here at v the Vegas Stats and Information Network, Sirius XM Channel 204, v the v app, Fubo TV. Skill Alexander, Jeff Parles is here. Day two for Jeff in the producer's chair. Good morning to you, Jeffrey. Good morning. I put my mic on correctly this time, so Good. one out of two. That's all right. One out of two. Makes you a Hall of Famer in baseball. Well done. Uh, today, usually at this point in the show, we say, oh, here's who's on the show today, and we give you a roster of just, uh, you know, murderers row, 27 Yankees. Not every day, but, you know, that's what we try to do. Not today. Today, it is about... College basketball, nothing but college basketball. And, of course, our guests are great guests, but they're going to be with us for two hours. Very generous with their time and their expertise. We're going to do bracket by bracket, ATS straight up for you. Uh, for those who don't even bet it against the number, just want to fill out brackets, we'll, we'll get a, some insight on that. Sometimes it'll just be, yeah, just advance Duke. That'll, that's all it'll take. Uh, and we'll do props. A lot of props that are out at the Westgate. We'll get Final Four picks, championship picks from everybody. Uh, nothing but March Madness. Uh, we will have Adam Stanko on the phone momentarily to help us along in a studio, though, ladies and gentlemen, a absolute encyclopedia of college basketball knowledge, Greg Hoops Peterson. Good morning to you, Greg. Good morning. If you typically have the 27 Yankees, does that make me the Miracle Mets? Yes, you're the Miracle Mets. You would be the Miracle Mets. That's a good, that's a good analogy for you. Uh, so the name of your podcast, once again, College Hoops, uh, College Betting Overtime, you tell me what it is. College Hoops Overtime Betting. I drops at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, every single day where I break down every single line. CBI, CIT, NIT, oh NCAA Tournament, you name it, I'm breaking it down. And then also, that's gold with Steve Heidner, because it is gold, Jerry. It is. 
It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. All right. So you, how long was the average length of your podcast though? Like it's a deep dive, isn't it? For the college basketball podcast, we're going to be probably doing, I would say about 20 ish games a day. So it's going to be a little bit over an hour a day at this point. There were times when we had those 90 game slates on those Saturdays where it would sometimes get to be three and a half, four hours. Uh, since you're doing, you know, people thirst for it now, though. They'll they'll take an hour for sure. Uh, I too, well, by the way, for those who don't, who won't able, or are not going to be able to hear every bit of this two-hour show, we will put it in podcast form as well. We'll get Seth uh, Walder from yesterday talking about giant killers. We'll throw it on with this bracket by bracket special, and we'll put it in podcast form, uh, in form rather. Uh, but before we do that, uh, you mentioned you do the NIT, Greg. I have a vested interest in Providence winning the NIT. They take on Arkansas tonight. Daniel Gafford, Arkansas's uh, sophomore standout, says he's going pro. He's not going to play in this game. Why is this line only six in favor? Not that I need to cover it. I just need Providence to advance. But why only six here without Gafford? That's very confusing to me. I think that maybe bookmakers haven't adjusted to Gafford being out. That's the only thing I can think of because this did come up a little bit suddenly. And we saw it in the NIT last year with, I believe it was Chemezi Metu sitting out for USC. They really didn't adjust the line too much. And then USC just looked completely awful in the NIT. You would have think that uh, people would have learned their lesson from that, but it is really confusing that Providence is currently only laying five to six points. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. NIT starts tonight. I believe it's 10 games, if I'm not mistaken, in the NIT, six tomorrow for the first round of the National Invitation Tournament. They battle for 69, as we like to call yeah. it. Yeah. Used to be the national championship many years ago, but now, of course, that's about March Madness. Let's bring him in now also to help us along here. Adam Stanko, who is the host of the Catch and Shoot podcast, available where all podcasts are distributed, and also doing this NCAA tournament quick hitters thing at Pure Hoops Media, where he does a minute and a half, minute to minute and a half little uh, blurb on all 68 teams, including the play-in teams, which we'll get to here off the top, uh, which are great. Where can we access that, Adam? And good morning to you, by the way. Hey, Gil. Can you hear me okay? Uh, We can now. Yeah, on Skype. There you go. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. Can we hear him okay? How are we doing? All right, Adam, where can we access the quick hitters? Well, you can access the quick hitters um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. Um, And uh, just type in Pure Hoops Quick Hitters. You can find them there. Every single team in the field you you can be an expert on in one minute. I mean, that's pretty much the plan. And then uh, you can check them out online at purehoopsmedia.com. Okay. There, by the way, your audio got good there in the last three seconds, so don't move. I think you finally corrected it there at the end. Uh, so let's start with uh, let's start with just the overall futures for the, for the NCAA tournament. Let's start there. We'll do it region by region. We have props on those coming up. But as far as the big dance itself, uh, no surprise at the top where the value is. Uh, or excuse me, where who's, who's the shortest shot, not where the value is. We'll determine that if there is any momentarily. But these are done... Uh, we do them by uh, seedings here. This is from the Westgate tournament teams, one through four seeds per region. Duke is the short shot in the tournament uh, among the number one seeds and among anybody else. They're uh, plus 225 right now, current odds to win it all. Um, and then you see Gonzaga, second shortest shot. This again at the Westgate, always shop. Virginia, North Carolina, the other two number one seeds in this tournament are at six to one. And then you see on the screen, and we do it by seeding here, two seeds, three seeds, and four seeds. You see how it goes down. It goes down pretty quickly, literally to the point where you can get an LSU still here at 60 to one, which is always my point about pre-flop futures, Greg, which is there's just no value before a season in any of these. 
so many times you can wait till now. Like college basketball, you can get amazing numbers in February. Now here we are right before the big dance. And if you believe in a team like, I don't know, Texas Tech is kind of down now at 25 to 1. I have them at uh, 75 to 1. But a team like LSU, if you believe in them, nothing wrong with 60 to 1, I guess. Exactly. For the top two seeds, the teams on the one seed line and the two seed line, you want to try to fire as quickly as possible because Duke opened up the year 9 to 2. They haven't been anything below three to one and seemingly eons but with that said with just about any team that's outside the top eight you really can wait on these futures and hey if you're really liking one of these teams and you think that it's a long shot that they're going to win the national championship which obviously it's a long shot for any of these teams outside of that top eight to be able to win the national championship you are able to get some very good prices on things like to win the final four and everything like that as well so you've got so many options in that regard Let's start with the play-in games. And by the way, here we are, some other uh, five through eight seeds. Here are their future prices. So again, uh, now they, they get very long very quickly. This is a very top-heavy year in college basketball. But take a team like Buffalo. Buffalo Adam, a sixth seed, 80 to 1. Some people, they're filling out their brackets. Uh, a lot of chalk when you look at people, just anecdotally, 1-1-1-2, But if there is a seed that is longer than those, a lot of people throwing Buffalo in 80-1 to 1 to win it all. Any value there in your opinion, Adam? Uh, no, I mean, I think, I think we could see Buffalo, I mean, you know, win a couple games in this tournament. But uh, no, I mean, I, I think that your best bet, if, if you are on Buffalo, would be, you know, you're you're hopeful of a, a Final Four run, and then you start to hedge against the absolute miracle. That's but the I way think, to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do think that. Uh, I mean, look, I I think Buffalo is is much better than the team they were last year, and and the team they were last year obviously knocked off Arizona and gave Kentucky a challenge in the first half. So certainly a team that that could win at least two games in this tournament. Yeah, I have a Buffalo and Texas Tech against seventy-five to one and one fifteen to one. Um, not respectively, but the other way around. I think the Buffalo is the 115 to 1 and the Texas Tech is 75 to 1. But again, yeah, it's not about expecting them to win it all. It's expecting, it's hoping that they get into, say, the Final Four and then using it as a vehicle to earn at that point. Play in games. We'll do the play in games here and we'll go to break and we'll start with the East Region after the break. Play in games begin tonight. This is in Dayton, Ohio. Fairly Dickinson and Prairie View AM. This is a, uh, a fight for the 16th seed and the right to play Gonzaga. Uh, in the first round of the Western region. That game tonight, though, between Fairleigh Dickinson and Prairie View A&M, 3.40 p.m. Pacific, 6.40 p.m. Eastern tip-off. Fairleigh Dickinson, two-point favorite. Greg, what do you think about that? Hey, last time Fairleigh Dickinson was in the NCAA tournament, they actually played Illinois very tough as a 16 seed. And with that said, Prairie View A&M, this is a squad that they are one of the most frequent fouling teams out there in the country. I believe that there was a game this year in which they gave up 120 points to Louisiana Lafayette. Meanwhile, Fairleigh Dickinson, I'm not sure why they got put into a playing game. This is a team that shoots over 40% from three. They've got a point guard at Darnell Edge at pours in 16 and a half points per game. They're point guard Jenkins. He has an assist to turnover ratio greater than two. I think the size of Max Holloway and company just going to completely eat Prairie View A&M live. I think that this is a mismatch line. Fairleigh Dickinson laying two points, a very easy play. Wow, Greg coming out strong. You And you, you've you been high on Fairleigh Dickinson on this show, I know, pretty consistently. Yes, I have been. I've been yeah. very high on Fairleigh Dickinson ever since Northeastern play began. Uh, Adam uh, Stanko on the phone, uh, the Knights, Northeast Tourney Champs, uh, the Panthers of Prairie View A&M, uh, SWAC regular season and tourney champs. Good coaching battle here again uh, for the right to play Gonzaga on Thursday night in Salt Lake City. What do you think about this? 
Well, I agree with Greg that uh, Fairleigh Dickinson's the better team, but Prairie View A&M on a roll right now. I mean, 21 and one in their last 22 games, they, they actually have scored 90 points in five of their last 12. This is a team that likes to just run. They play at sort of this uh, frenetic pace. If they can uh, team made up of almost entirely junior college transfers. The issue with them though, is that, I mean, both teams are, are bad defensively. In an NCAA tournament, especially a play-in game, it's going to be tough to get that kind of pace that you want. And and as soon as it goes somewhat to a half-court game, I mean, Greg said it, Darnell Edge, Caleb Bidup, they're going to cause issues. So I think Fairleigh Dickinson wins this game. I think it's a little bit closer than Greg said, but I do think that um, I think Prairie View and is unable to run. And so I think we're looking at uh, uh, a game that's more uh, five to ten points, but I, I don't think that uh, we're seeing a blowout. I do think FDU wins this game. All right. Also tonight in Dayton, Ohio, right after that game, Temple and Belmont. Much anticipated. Belmont with their chance to get into the round of 64, if you will. This is a 11 versus 11, if you will. The chance to be the 11 seed to take on the University of Maryland, the sixth seed out of the Big Ten. Um, and that will be on, uh, I believe it's on Thursday. Yes, that will be on Thursday in Jacksonville. Belmont, uh, the Bruins, Ohio Valley regular season champs. Uh, got some giant killers love from Seth Walder yesterday on the show. Belmont, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, Greg. I do like Belmont in this spot. This is a team that ranks second among all teams in the field in regards to two-point shooting percentage. They've got over seven guys that are able to shoot over 37% from three. Their point guard, Grayson Murphy, gives out six and a half assists, so only 2.5 turnovers. And then for T- Temple, they're just too reliant on their three guards. Quinton Rose, Nate Pierre-Lewis, and Chiz Olsen, all very nice players. They combined to average 49 and a half points per game. They get absolutely nothing down low. Ernest Aflockby pulls in nine rebounds, but who else is going to be able to step up for this team? If this backcourt is even the most remotely cold that they can be, it's going to be really tough. I think that Belmont just has too many pieces. They've got too much depth. They're able to roll in this one. This will be a real disappointment, Adam, if Belmont doesn't get through here, won't it? Absolutely, especially for all the people pushing for them. And I yeah. I, I do I do agree with Greg and, and same logic. I mean, when you talk about the fact that Belmont, what, what usually happens with with mid-majors where they struggle is, is going up against size and depth, the talent of, of the, of the high majors. And in this case, I mean, Belmont taking on temple, they have the best player in the game in Dylan Windler and uh, they don't have a disadvantage size wise. They're not going to be crushed down low by any scoring opportunities from, from temple. Obviously that backcourt strong. I love Fran Dunphy. It's, it's his swan song, but uh, I agree that uh, Dylan Windler, who Seth Greenberg calls a poor man's Doug McDermott is going to be introduced <laughs> to, to the nation, uh, not in this game, but, but in their next one. All right. Tomorrow night, uh, continuing the play in games and we'll get to the East region to kick things off uh, after the break, but North Carolina central, the Eagles out of the mid Eastern athletic conference, uh, 30 champs in that conference, take on North Dakota state, the bison or summit league champs, uh, that is in Dayton tomorrow night as well. 16th seed on the line here. A chance to play Duke on uh, on at Columbia, South Carolina on Friday. Uh, and let's throw up the line for this one. D- North Dakota State, five-point favorites here, Greg. I'm laying the points with North Dakota State. They have got they really did a great job of hitting some three-pointers out there in the Summit League. They're able to bring in a couple guys off the bench who are able to help out this team. Deng Zhu, six-foot-seven combo player, does a good job shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range. Tyson Ward, a nice six-foot-six combo player. And for NC Central, they actually do a good job of being able to rebound. They just don't have any backcourt play whatsoever, and that's where North Dakota State is going to have this game won. Adam? 
Uh, actually on North, North Carolina Central. Uh, this is a team that played in the, the tournament the last couple of years. Lavelle Moten, I think, one of the rising stars in the, in the coaching ranks. And uh, both teams are, are, are pretty slow, but actually North Carolina Central likes to muck it up offensively. They, they uh, Opponents have really struggled over the last 10 games to even reach 70 points. And so even though North Carolina Central is brutal shooting the ball, all right, we're having trouble with Adam. We'll move on. in there. Yeah, Adam, we'll, we'll get your audios straightened out. Last play-in game tomorrow, Greg. Uh, Arizona State and St. John's. Uh, 11 seeds, if you will, trying to be the 11 seed to take on number six, Buffalo, uh, in their region. Uh, the Red Storm and the Sun Devils. Sun Devils come in as one-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Chance to play Buffalo in Tulsa on Friday. Well, needless to say, if Chris Mullins and Bobby Hurley were playing one-on-one, this line would probably be reversed, but clearly we don't have that here. With that said, I'm going to go with Arizona State in this spot. St. John's came back back to earth a little bit with regards to their three-point shooting, and St. John's one of the worst teams with regards to rebound rate in this entire field. You take a look at Arizona State. They've got a guy in Silent Cheatham that averages 12 points, over 10 rebounds per game, shoots over 40% from three. We saw Remy Martin really come on late at the point guard spot, assist to turnover ratio, greater than two. I like what he does. Lou Dort gets a little bit loose with the ball, but I think he's going to be the most physically imposing team player out there on this floor. And with St. John's, he just won't really have a lot of size. Shamari Pons is a nice player. He doesn't necessarily light it up from three. I'm going to go with Arizona State laying the point and a half. Um, Greg, my only wish for you is that you would have been able to see Chris Mullen, Bobby Hurley in college, Bobby Hurley and those Duke teams. Did Bobby Hurley play in four final fours? I think he might have. I believe he did. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, Chris Mullen with a St. John's team that got to the Final Four with Walter Berry and Mark Jackson, just unbelievable teams, and never got there because they always had to go up against Georgetown and other juggernauts in the Big East. We'll get uh, with Adam back. We'll start with the Eastern Region now that we have the play-ins decided here, or at least analyzed. We will start with the East Region and Duke next. Bracket by bracket, March Madness all morning long on a numbers game at Veasan. Back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VSIN studios in Las Vegas. Breaking news has a way of happening right after we get off the air here on a numbers game. Not this morning. Jeff Passan reporting uh, that Mike Trout and the Los Angeles Angels are finalizing a record breaking. Get ready for this. Oh, and Bryce Harper, Scott Boris didn't do you any good. A record breaking. This is for Trout now. 12-year contract worth more than $430 million. Let me say that again. 12-year, $430 million. The first number there was four. That's an average of $35.83 million a year. That would be not only the biggest contract ever shattering in terms of full amount of money, $430 million, $100 million more than Bryce basically right there, but per year, average annual salary, the largest of all time in sports, not just baseball. So there it is. Mike Trout. A lot of money. That is a lot of money. Greg Peterson, one day you too will have that kind of money. I think my rate for appearing on the show just went up a little bit. <laughs> Let me just say this. If you're Bryce Harper, seriously, if you're Bryce Harper and you waited and waited and waited, you're like, I don't care how many years I'm in Philly. I just want the biggest number. Well, go away. 13 years in Philly for a paltry, a pittance of 330. 
only. All right, let's start this. East region. Here we go. Uh, listen, we don't know who Duke's playing yet, so there's no line here. It's Duke against the winner of that NC Central North Dakota State game we were just talking about in the play-in game. This will be in Columbia, South Carolina on Friday, but I'm assuming Duke advances in your brackets. Yes? If you take the 16 seed in this spot, you really have some cojones, and you're going to go down. <laughs> Do you think, by the way, this is the hardest bracket, the East? Second hardest? That's a little bit of a tough one. I think it's all relative. I think that the East, in regards to the two seed, probably the toughest in Michigan State, though you can make a case for Kentucky as well. Okay. Um, the winner of the Duke, North Carolina Central, North Dakota State game, and let's just assume it's Duke, and I assume Adam Stanko will advance Duke in his bracket as well, will take on the winner of the 8-9 game between VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, the Rams, 25-7, and 8-10, regular season champs this year, and Central Florida, the 9 seed, 23-8 and this year, two extremely dangerous mid-majors who get pitted against each other Friday night in Columbia, South Carolina. Again, the winner then gets to play Duke probably. Greg, we start with you. UCF, a one-point favorite. And it sounds like Marcus Evans, who got hurt in that A-10 tournament. I was talking to an injury expert. He said, and I quote, no chance he plays in this game. And if that is the case, that's going to hurt for VCU, who already is the second-worst three-point shooting team out there in this tournament. The worst three-point shooting team, oh, by the way, Duke, U University of Central Florida. You've got seven foot six taco fall down low. They've got a guy in Terrell Allen that's running the point guard. Assist to turnover ratio near three. Shoots nearly 40% for three. B.J. Taylor, one of the top five players in regards to being able to get to the free throw line in this tournament. VCU, second best defensive efficiency in the country. But I will say this with regards to Central Florida, when they covered eight out of nine games towards that late half stretch of the season, they were shooting right around 38 to 39 percent from three themselves. I think that Central Florida has too much firepower, especially with Mark and Evans at the very best being hurt. If not out, I've got to take Central Florida. OK, you've got to. You don't have to. What I'm saying here is if, if it's not a strong play for you, let's make sure we mention that as well. Not as strong as the fairly. This is a pretty strong one. Pretty for strong me. I do like Central Florida a lot. Okay. I've been on them for quite a while. All right. That's the kind of language I like right there. So it's a taco Zion second round game is what you're looking at here. That'll be fun. All right. So this is a one point spread. So Greg's got them advancing both straight up and ATS in this case. Adam, your thoughts here. Yeah, I think Central Florida is a much better team than uh, the VCU is. I mean, both are strong defensively. Uh, Aubrey Dawkins, Johnny Dawkins' kid, is a really good player, uh, 6'6 junior guard who can who can shoot it. B.J. Taylor, obviously, as, as Greg mentioned. So Central Florida has offensive pieces that VCU doesn't. I mean, even if Marcus Evans does play, uh, I don't think VCU has the weapons. They're also much smaller. It's not just in comparison to Taco Fall, who's 7'6" for those that, that haven't seen him. But, you know, Marcos Santos Silva is a 6'7", 250-pound forward for VCU, an unusual player who blocks shots and does a lot of different things. But size-wise, they have no chance. And I think UCF is, is really confident right now. I, I think I think this game is not even close. It, it shouldn't even be an 8-9 matchup. Wow, not even close, he says. All right, 5-12 in the East. Mississippi State, the 5 seed, 23-10 and 10 this year, straight up. Eight quad one wins. Uh, for the Bulldogs, the number 12 seeded Liberty Flames, 28 and six straight up on the year. They're Atlantic Sun tourney champs. Uh, they had a share of the regular season title in the Atlantic Sun. First season in the Atlantic Sun for the Liberty Flames after 27 in the Big South, um, which I believe they won that term in 2013. Uh, this is a Friday night game in San Jose, Mississippi State, seven point favorites, Greg. 
And if you remember that 2013 Liberty team, one of the worst to ever make the NCAA tournament, not so much a case here. Liberty, a team that really likes slow, slow games down, plays at one of the slowest tempos out there in the country. Mississippi State, they've got a bunch of explosive guards. Lamar Peters pours in 12 points, shoots over 40% from three. They're currently without Nick Weatherspoon, but Quinn Derry has been absolutely sensational since his brother got suspended. He has been doing a great job down low. Now, they're not getting the versatility out of Eric Coleman. He got moved to the bench. Ever since then, he has been a completely lost cause. In this one, I actually advanced Mississippi State, but if I were to play this game on the spread, I would take Liberty. They have a guy by the name of Giorgio Pacheco Ortiz. He only averages right around eight points per game, but he shoots nearly 48% from three, one of the best three-point shooters out there in this entire field. And then you've got a couple other guys for Liberty that they just do a good job of being able to know their role, playing sound defense. So I think they're going to be able to hang in this one. I think Mississippi State pulls out something like a three four-point win. All right, so Mississippi State to advance in your bracket, but Liberty, if you played it, would you play it against the number? Oh, absolutely. I okay. actually grabbed the opening number because Liberty was catching a lot of points and then that got steamed down. Who am I asking? Would you play it? It's Greg Peterson, for God's sakes. <laughs> uh, Adam, Adam Stanko is here. Uh, Adam, your thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, I, I agree once again. I mean, in this case, I think we're talking about two teams that play well on defensive end, and, and as Greg points out, for Liberty, for Liberty, they like to slow you down. They like to move the ball, and they're perfectly comfortable playing playing that pace. But so is Mississippi State. They're fine with playing a game that's slowed down. Ben Howland is the coach. I mean, for people that have forgotten that Ben Howland is at Mississippi State, when Derry Witherspoon's a, an awesome guard, uh, will take it over. Mississippi State, much more talented. In the non-conference, they beat Clemson, they beat Cincy, they beat Wofford. This is a team that's, that's really talented. They've been strong all year long uh, on the defensive end, and plus they're one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country. So Mississippi State, comfortable playing that. So because we won't see a necessarily a high score, Mississippi State's just too talented, even though Liberty does have Scotty James, uh, a fun uh, a fun mid-major guy to watch. But, but I do like uh, Mississippi State in this game, although I, I do think it'll be close just because I don't think we're going to see some uh, – runaway score here. All right, winner of Mississippi State Liberty will take on the winner in San Jose uh, Friday night. Also a game between Vatek and St. Louis. That's the 4-13 game. Winner of that takes on the Mississippi State Liberty winner, that is. Vatek is live here, Greg. This is a good basketball team, 24-8 this year. Uh, St. Louis, the Billikens were 8-10 tourney champs, 23-12. Vatek double-digit favorite, 10.5 points here. And it's going to be interesting to see if Justin Robinson plays in this game or not. I think that a lot hinges on that. From what I've been hearing, Justin Robinson should be a go for the NCAA tournament. And with St. Louis, you've got the second-worst free-throw shooting team in the country, only two Manhattan, who we all know took college basketball back to the dark ages. That is a wolf for them. St. Louis does a good job on the offensive glass, but I think that Kerry Blackshear going to be better than Hassan French down low. And then when you take a look at Virginia Tech, they're getting some good production out of the guards like Nikhil Walker, Alex Alexander. You've got Ty Outlaw being able to shoot right around 40% for three. This is a spot where I'm not just laying the points with Virginia Tech. I'm going to advance them in my bracket as well. Number 11 team in regards to offensive efficiency in the country. Vatek, uh, Adam, not only advancing here, I would imagine from you, but also you think might, uh, might give Duke some trouble down the road here in the tournament? They could, but I think that in order to do so, they, as Greg points out, they're going to need Justin Robinson. I mean, it's unlikely that we're going to see him uh, from from the reports that I've seen. But if he does play, I mean, that, that backcourt alone between Robinson and Alexander Walker is difficult. And obviously, Blackshear's been playing at a, at a high level. So certainly Virginia Tech, I think, defensively, they're terrific. 
But in order to go deep in this tournament, as, as I always point out, you're going to need uh, a premier point guard, and, and Justin Robinson certainly is that. So in order for them to hang with, with any of the big dogs, they're going to have to get Justin Robinson back. But meanwhile, in this game, I mean, St. Louis is just brutal offensively, uh, a strong defensive team, but just a shocking team that even, you know, made the field. I mean, they came into the, the uh, A-10 tournament losing five of their last seven and won four and four days, and they were even down to St. Bonaventure by 15 in the first half. So for St. Louis to win this game would, would be an absolute stunner, or to even hang with them. I think I think Virginia Tech's on a whole other level than St. Louis. Other half of the East bracket, uh, Maryland going to take on the winner of that Belmont-Temple game we talked about. That's the play-in game. Uh, so we'll wait on that, because obviously no line for that one. But the winner of Maryland uh, versus Belmont or Temple will take on the 314 winner, LSU and Yale. That's Jacksonville. Uh, that's in Jacksonville on Thursday night as well, uh, as well as the Maryland game. LSU out of the SEC, the 11th seeded team here overall in the tournament by the committee against the Ivy League champ, Yale Bulldogs. Seven and a half now is the number on LSU. This is way down from its open. I still like the seven and a half, Greg. At seven and a half, I still would take Yale, but I think that the value is starting to get dried up here. I think that LSU is able to win this game because they do have that front court. You've got Nas Reed, a seven-footer with some good versatility, pulls and rebounds, shoots threes. Darius Days, same way, a little bit smaller, but he's able to do a lot. Cavell Bigby-Williams is a man down low. You've got Javante Smart, guy that does a great job out there at the guard spot, is able to generate steals along with Tremont Waters. Waters one of the top five players in this field in regards to generating steals. He shot from three-point range much better after the first 10 games of the season. And then for Yale, you've got a guy that's going to play in the NBA in my Oni. Blake Reynolds pours in 11 points, shoots nearly 40% from three. I think that Yale's going to be able to hang in this one. This is something I see being more or less a five to six-point game. I would take Yale on the spread, but I would take LSU to advance. Adam, same for you? Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. I think this LSU team is in, obviously in somewhat disarray. I mean, when you've got a head coaching situation like they're going on with, on with uh, Will Wade and trying to figure out what's going on with their head coach, I mean, that always becomes confusing. But talent-wise, you know, again, point guard play is, is critical, and Tremont Waters is, is fantastic. He's an NBA player, uh, as Greg points out. Nas Reed's a, a fellow NBA player, huge recruit. Um, and then Cavell Big B Williams, I think, is an X factor. Just that size and defensive ability that they have down low. The one interesting thing for Yale is that obviously a couple of years ago we did see them win a game, you know, uh, win a game in the tournament. Um, but that's back when they had Makai Mason. He's now on Baylor. Blake Reynolds, their only player that played in that in that game. Uh, Mieoni is a fantastic player, and he's going to be in the NBA, so he's going to be fun to watch for Yale. And Jordan Bruner is a, is a versatile guy. He was six eight point guard in high school, but still, Yale is much better and different and more athletic than people expect a Yale team to be. But they're not as good as LSU. So as long as the, the LSU feels somewhat confident in at least their interim head coach, um, I would I would expect that LSU wins this game. But but it could be a little uglier than they're typically used to. Mione took over that uh, semifinal game against Princeton late uh, in Yale's win on Saturday on their way after beating Harvard to the Ivy League title. Louisville's at Minnesota. It's the seven ten game in the East. Final two brackets here. Uh, does this is in Des Moines on Thursday? Does Minnesota belong in this tournament, Greg? I do feel like they did. I think the fact that they were able to make a run in the Big Ten tournament really allowed them to be in the NCAA tournament. And then getting that win late in the season on their home floor against Purdue also helped. 
With that said, Minnesota, what are you going to get from three-point range? Amir Coffey was a little bit light, better towards the end of the year. Gabe Kausher, though, he's a hit-or-miss player. I still remember watching a game in which he played against North Florida and was like 0 of 10 from distance. Meanwhile, Louisville, you've got Jordan Nawara. He's a very good stretch player for this team. Averages 17 points, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. Christian Cunningham, assists a turnover ratio of 2.5. He does sensational work. Louisville's defense improved throughout the season. I think it will be too much in the Battle of Patinos. I'm going to take Louisville with Chris Mack as the head coach. Louisville five-point favorites here. Uh, on the number, what did you say, Greg? You like on the number? I like Louisville on the spread, okay. and I like Louisville to advance. All right, Rich Patino probably get some help from his dad maybe here going up against Louisville. We shall see. Adam, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I actually like Minnesota in this one. Um, I like the I like the front line of, of Minnesota. Jordan Murphy is one of the, the best players and you know best front court players Minnesota's had in, in quite some time. Uh, the six six senior forward is double double machine, so that's automatic. I, I just don't love the offensive firepower of, of Louisville. Certainly, I love all of Chris Mack's teams. They play so hard, tremendous defensively, efficient on the offensive end, but they play at a slow pace. And I just think that down low, Minnesota's tougher. And I think so. If this game's a rock fight, I'm, I'm trusting that the Minnesota front line more than I am. Louisville War is a good player. He's expanded his game, but I, but I like uh, Minnesota in this one. And Louisville, Minnesota, 7-10 game plays the winner of Michigan State and Bradley. That's the 2-15 game in the East. Uh, Bradley, the Braves, uh, Missouri Valley tourney champions. Um, this game is in Des Moines on Thursday. And, of course, Michigan State, they beat Michigan three times. This has been the biggest quibble of the selection committee. They get stuck in a bracket with Duke while Michigan gets the Zags. Uh, two out of the last three years, Greg, Michigan State has lost to a double-digit seed. Is this a game where they do that again? Last time they were two seed, they lost in the first round. I don't think that'll happen. I am taking Bradley with the 18 and a half points. You've got a guy in Darnell Brown that runs a point, averages 13 points, shoots nearly 45% from three. Elijah Childs on those actually quite decent, but Nick Ward is going to eat him alive. You've got Matt McQuaid shooting over 40% from three. Cassius Winston, one of the most spectacular point guards out there in college basketball. So take the points if you're going to bet this game with Bradley, but advance Michigan State in your bracket. You're advancing Michigan State. I gather, uh, Adam, would you take the points? here yeah i think michigan state is going to destroy bradley in this in this game i mean yeah as uh, as greg points out i mean nick ward underneath is just going to be a huge problem for bradley but it's not just him i mean we know that you know kenny goins is, is a, a top level defensive uh standout defends almost every position on the floor they have xavier tillman they have athletes they have guys um with who are are angry right now. You know, I think about, about their seed and the fact that they're with Duke and not only that, but you know, if Minnesota advances, like I expect, they also have to play a big 10 team in the second round. You talk about Michigan state struggling with double digit seeds. So, I mean, I think that this team is angry. They've, they've had a bad taste in their mouth since, since is a sort of coaching debacle last year against Syracuse. And I think that, Michigan State rules. I think they're hungry to play, and Cassius Winston, of course, will control tempo, tempo the entire game. So I expect this game to be 25 or more for Michigan State. Winner of the East Bracket will take on the winner of the West. We'll get to that next right here, March Madness Special on a numbers game at VEASAN. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VEASAN studios in Las Vegas. By the way, if you're looking for help with your office bracket beyond what we're giving you here today with Greg Peterson and Adam Stanko, 
Um, maybe you're heading to Vegas for March Madness. Whatever the case, VEASAN's College Basketball Tournament betting guide will be packed with all the stats and analysis you need to be a winner. Bracket advice from Brent Musburger, Matt Humans, Dave Tooley, Steve Mackinnon, and this gentleman to my right, Greg Hoops-Peterson. Along with other VEASAN experts, there's Zion on the cover. If the shoe fits, look at Zion. Zion's the greatest basket- college basketball player I've seen since Patrick Ewing. I know Patrick Ewing wasn't beloved, but in terms of buzz for the game. Uh, It's a 90-page digital magazine, by the way, with Zion on the cover. It'll be ready for download today and is designed to be used as a reference throughout the three-week big dance. It's $14.99. You can order your copy at vcin.com slash subscribe. While you're there, check out uh, our best price to get the guide, plus 52 weeks of point spread weekly and a chance to win $10,000 in VEASAN's Beat the Spread Challenge. Stay at the South Point, hang out with Brent Musburger on set. Can't beat that. All the details at vcin.com slash subscribe. Let's get to the West region with Greg Peterson and Adam Stanko. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, Gonzaga against the winner of Fairleigh Dickinson Prairie View A&M, so we'll pass on that. Obviously, no line for that game in Salt Lake City on Thursday night, but the winner of that will take on the winner of the 8-9 game between Syracuse and Baylor, also in Salt Lake City on Thursday night. Uh, we flash that up on the screen. Greg, your thoughts on this one? Now, Baylor is a team that actually plays a little bit of zone themselves, so they're going to be a little bit better prepared than most teams for Syracuse. I do think that Tyus Battle is going to be back in this game. Even if he's not, though, I think that Syracuse should be able to roll because Baylor has their injury issues themselves. Makai Mason, you can tell, was not right at the end of the year. King McClure has been dealing with some injuries as well. This is a team that has fallen back to earth ever since getting off to that great run in late January, early February out there in the Big Ten or out there in the Big 12 because Baylor comes into this NCAA tournament having lost each of the last four games. And I actually do like the way that Buddy Bayheim has been able to come off the bench and given Syracuse some scoring as well. So I do think that Syracuse starting to get some offense outside of their, I guess you could call it big three, and that is going to be enough to be able to lift them to victory and cover this game. All right, so you like Cuse, two-point favorites here against Baylor. I think I, I think everybody has the same reaction to Buddy Bayheim when he comes in and does well. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. That? There you go. People feel good about that. Adam, uh, you want Cuse here as well? Yeah, I like Syracuse. I mean, I think Syracuse has learned a little bit to play without without Ty's battle. So even if they don't have him, uh, that won't be too significant. And and you guys are dead on. I mean, Buddy Beheim shooting threes, um, you know, like he's Kevin Herter. Um, <laughs> That's it, right. It was pretty fun to watch there. So, uh, yeah, and Baylor, I think that you cannot discount the fact that they lost four straight heading into the tournament, as Greg points out. Kevin Herter, the winner of the Steve Blake, never thought this guy would be great out of the University of Maryland award uh, for <laughs> current, currently uh, the Steve Blake Memorial Award for Maryland Terps fans. All right, also in the West bracket here. This is the game that uh, Seth Walder from ESPN Analytics yesterday on the show called the biggest percentage of his giant killers. 34% win probability for him for Murray State, the Racers, which I find a little low, by the way, for the Racers, who are the 12th seed here, the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament champions, of course, led by John Morant, who uh, folks are projecting as the number two pick in the draft now in some mock drafts. They're taking on number five Marquette. Golden Eagles, this game is in Hartford on Thursday night. Marquette, Greg, a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And these are the only two players in the NCAA tournament that average over 24 and a half points per game. It's going to be a fun one. But what sets me over the top with Murray State is the fact that they play such sound defense. They're among the top 10 teams in the country with regards to two-point shooting percentage on offense. But then on defense, they're one of the best teams at being able to guard the arc out there in college basketball. You've obviously got John Moran. Pours in over 10 assists. He does get loose with the ball. He has five turnovers per game. But we saw Marcus Howard. 
He was affected by his wrist a little bit in that game against St. John's a couple days ago. So I do think that that's a little bit of an issue. John Morant, I think, is coming into this game healthy. He's had a lot of time to rest up after that Ohio Valley Conference tournament. And I think that Murray State wins this game all right. So taking them on the spread, and I'm taking them to advance in the 5-12. I'm with you. I got Murray State advancing. John Morant will be the best player on the court, period, this game. Uh, Adam Stanko from the Catch and Shoot podcast. You aboard Murray State here? Yeah, I'm aboard Murray State. It's crazy to think that we're talking about two teams that, that you have to love what the committee did here, putting up guys that can both, you know, go for 40 points in a game uh, against each other. Just incredible individual talents in Howard and, and Morant. But Morant is on another level, the only guy in, in college basketball history to go 20 and 10. Um, I, I like Murray State a lot in this game. And outside of Marcus Howard, there's just not a lot there for Marquette other than the Hauser brothers, but I'm, I'm all over Murray State in this game. Only thing I worry about is that everybody's on Murray State, anecdotally, right? Like, there's certain games here where I just worry that everybody is on somebody. You know how that usually goes. Winner of Marquette, Murray State, by the way, will take on the winner of the 4-13 game in the West between Florida State and Vermont. We have a Greg Peterson special alert here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Florida State, 27-7 and on the season straight up. They're 10.5-point favorites in this game against the Catamounts of Vermont. Uh, Vermont, the American East regular season and tourney champions. This game also in Hartford on Thursday night. Vermont was 27-6. and They beat UMBC in the American East Championship on Sunday morning. Or was it Saturday morning? I believe it was Saturday, Saturday. morning. Uh, but you've got Leonard Hamilton versus Vermont, Greg, in Hartford. Your thoughts, sir? This is a classic game where Florida's going to win the game outright, but they're not going to cover the spread. That just seems to be the way that <laughs> Leonard Hamilton operates. That's right. Florida State has so much size out there guarding the perimeter. You've got so many guys that are like six foot seven, six foot eight out there. Phil Kofer seems to be coming into his own after he hit that three to send that Virginia Tech game to overtime. And then you have to like what Christ Kumaji is able to do down low. He's obviously got some great size. Terrence Mann shoots 45% from three, but for Vermont, you've got a guy in Anthony Lamb. He pours in 21 points per game. He's able to shoot some threes. And you've got a trio of Duncan brothers out there in the starting lineup for Vermont. They're not going to beat themselves. They're probably going to slow this game down. I think Vermont probably loses this game by like seven to eight points. So I'm going to take Vermont on the spread, and I'm going to take Florida State to advance. This kind of registered on the Giant Killers uh on the Giant Killers meter yesterday for Seth Walder as well. 27% uh, 27% chance by his numbers for Vermont. I don't see it happening either. Um, but I totally I'm on board with what you're saying, Greg. Uh a win for FSU, but not a cover. Adam? Yeah, this one's tricky because on one hand, um, I don't think that Florida State has the offensive weapons to really put up a lot of points in this game. That said, uh, Vermont is going to have a ton of issues trying to score. I mean, Anthony Lamb is a, a talented scorer, but he does it all as a six-six post player. Uh, you know, playing against America East competition, great footwork, some good moves in the post. That's not going to work against this Florida State front line and Kevin Gelly and company. So I, I just think Florida State's loaded out. I think they're extremely confident after the Virginia win. So I think Florida State rolls through this, even though they have some shooting woes, offensive putbacks, all that. So I would expect them to actually win by, uh, you know, 12 to 15 points. All right, let's sneak in a break here. Mike Trout's going to count his money in during the break. Again, $430 million, 12 years. See you later, Bryce Harper, with all your short-lived records. We'll get to the second part of the West Bracket here uh, as we continue going through all of them. We'll do some props as well from the Westgate, a whole bunch of that, uh, before we get to the second half of March Madness. It's all on a numbers game. Stick around right here at Visa. Now, 
Back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VSIN studios in Las Vegas. By the way, if you're coming down to Las Vegas in the South Point, VSIN's Brent Musburger will be hosting Betting and Buds with Brent. It's Wednesday. It's tomorrow night, 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. right here at the South Point Hotel Casino with Chrissy Andrews, Vinny Maliulo, plus NASCAR driver and former Georgetown Hoyas basketball player Brendan Gaughan will be there as well. Mike Palm from the D, Las Vegas. VEASAN's team of experts breaking down the teams, the lines, the bracket. We'll take questions, tape the show for broadcast on VEASAN. That is tomorrow night. It is free, by the way. And uh, there will be $1 Budweiser brands available. I should mention that. From 5 to 8 p.m. in the South Point's Grand View Lounge. That's tomorrow evening, right by the Racing Book, 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Hope to see you there. Final half of the, uh, or the second half, I should say, of the uh, West Bracket. Buffalo is going to play the winner of that ASU St. John's playing game, which we've already covered. The winner of that Buffalo game will take on the winner of the 314 game. Uh, which takes place in Tulsa on Friday. This is Texas Tech, the number 10 overall seed, by the way, in this entire bracket. They're the number three seed here in the West. They are two touchdown favorites over the Norse of Northern Kentucky, who are their Horizon League tourney champs. I got a future on Texas Tech. I'm hoping they advance. You bullish on Texas Tech? I do like Texas Tech. They've got the number one defensive efficiency out there in the country. One of the best teams in in guarding the three-point arc as well. I am going to take the two touchdowns on the spread with Northern Kentucky. They've got a good six-foot-eight big man in Drew McDonald that shoots 40% from three, averages 19 points, nine and a half rebounds per game. You've got Sharp that's able to shoot some threes for this team as well. So you've got some good guard play out there for Northern Kentucky. They like to really be able to get out there. They like to be able to score a lot of points, which is a little bit unlike nor- normal Northern Kentucky teams. But I do like the way that Texas Tech is stepping up. David Moretti has been shooting over 40% from three, one of the best free throw shooters out there in this entire tournament. You've got John Mooney being able to step up out there in the backcourt. And then Tariq Owens, a very good shot blocker as well. I got Texas Tech going all the way to the Final Four. We'll get your guys' Final Four picks coming up later on the show. Adam, your thoughts here. Yeah, Texas Tech's been fantastic. Jared Culver is a, a lottery pick. Uh, Davide Moretti, as, as uh, Greg just pointed out, one of the best shooters in, in the country. Matt Mooney is a tough kid. This team's playing terrific on the defensive end, and they're rolling offensively, extremely confident. And for Northern Kentucky, I mean, I just don't love them. They're okay as an offense, but really against high-level competition, it's going to be no question. So I think we see a, a runaway law, a runaway victory here for uh, for Texas Tech. All right, final two first-round games in the West. Number seven, Nevada, the Wolfpack. Darlings in the uh, pre-flop futures market this year where they were got down to 10-1, to maybe even single digits to one at one point. Uh, they're the number seven seed in the West. They're two-point favorites here over the Gators of Florida out of the SEC. Gators were 19-15. and 15. Uh, Wolfpack um, Mountain West Conference regular season champs. This is in Des Moines on Thursday. Every Gators game, Greg, seems to go down to the final possession. It seemingly does, and I do think that Florida's going to be able to win this game. Jalen wow. Hudson has really been emerging for this team. I like the way that they're playing. They rely a little bit too much on the three-point shot, but with Noah Locke coming off the bench, being able to give this team some production, I like that. Kayvon Allen, one of the best players in the free-throw line in the country. And Nevada, they're just not a good three-point shooting team. They do a great job of not turning the ball over, but this is a team that they just settle for shots too much. They could get to the rim whenever they wanted for a layup, but they just choose not to. And remember, they had that run last year where they had the two big comebacks, right? First and second round Nevada. Uh, but this is, a, this is a deeper Nevada team this year, right? Uh, they're only about seven deep. This is uh, not a deep Nevada team. Well, it was five or six last year, wasn't it? It was about six deep, I would yeah, say. Yeah, so relatively speaking anyway. Adam? Yeah, I'm all over Nevada in this one. I, I, I think Nevada's been sort of uh, underrated. I almost even think, I think underseeded. 
I think we sort of forgot about them. This team's lost four games all year. They, they're if efficient somehow on the offensive end, but I think the biggest strength for Nevada is the Musselman squad just plays so loose, and yet they have all of this leadership. They're one of the oldest teams in the country. The Martin, the Martin brothers, uh, both seniors, then Jordan Caroline, Jazz Johnson, the junior. I, I just think this team has so much experience, and they play so loose and free, and that's what enables them to to have uh, both success late in games and also not to be worried when they're down big. And we saw it last year, and I think Florida is just average offensively. Good defensive team, different team than we're used to for Florida, but I'm all over Nevada in this one. All right, so difference of opinion there. And finally, the winner of the Nevada-Florida game will take on the 215 game. Michigan, the Wolverines, the eighth overall seed, two seed here in this region against Montana. The Grizzlies, Big Sky regular season attorney champs, they were 26-8. and eight. It's a rematch of a first-round game from last year. Is that, is that right? It was a 3-4 team matchup, yeah. and I don't think that Montana is going to be able to pull the upset here, but they've got a guy in Saeed Bridget that shoots over 50, that shoots over 40 percent from three. Ahmad Rory has really been filling things up for this team. Donovan Dorsey, a transfer from Washington, is able to hit some threes. So I'll take Montana to cover the spread, but I'll take Michigan to advance. All right, 20 seconds here, Adam. Michigan to advance, I'm assuming. If you played this, would you play this 15 and a half, or would you stay away? I'd stay away. Travis Fakir is an outstanding coach at Montana. Ahmad Rory is an Oregon transfer, but they can't win this game because Jamar Coe, one of their best players, uh, he was injured after a hard fall, missed his last 12 games of the year. Just just not as good of a team after a co went down. All right. We'll do props from the Westgate. We'll take a break on the brackets. We'll resume with the Midwest and South, or South and Midwest in that order coming up. But props from the Westgate, seedings, conference props, some interesting stuff. Greg Peterson, Adam Stanko, it's Bracket Palooza right here on a numbers game at VEASAN. Stick around right here. Now, live from the V-CIN studios in the South Point Hotel and Casino, it's Gil Alexander. Bracket Palooza this morning on a numbers game here at VEASAN. Nothing but college basketball, bracket by bracket, straight up, ATS, Greg Peterson, Adam Stanko. Got two more regions to get to. We'll get their final four picks as well. Uh, Greg and I were just talking off air. We were saying earlier, uh, I have Providence in the NIT. By the way, it's Series XM Channel 204, VEASAN.com, VEASAN app, FUBO TV. You should probably mention that. Um, we have the playing games tonight, but the NIT in, in some respects is, is more interesting. I was mentioning how uh, with that Providence-Arkansas game today, there's no Daniel Gafford. He's going pro, so he's done so. Providence still only a six-point favorite. Curious. But then we were also talking Hofstra's like a 10-point favorite against N- – oh, excuse me, NC State is a 10-point favorite against Hofstra. Doesn't NC State – it's funny because you, you countered with Hofstra – we agree. Like NC State's the type of team that doesn't show for this, and Hofstra the type of team that this means everything to them. Exactly. And then you've got Hofstra, who actually opened up an 11-point underdog in faraway places. It's just absolutely confusing. you got Justin Wright-Forman, a guy that pours in 26 points per game. Eli Pemberton shoots 40% from three, and with NC State, what are you going to get out of this team after they were talking about, oh, we don't know what net rankings means and everything like <laughs> That's that. Right. It's we, like, what were we, oh, 33rd man. or whatever they ended up in net rankings? NC State, they did so well and it, didn't get in the big dance. Net rankings, Greg. Again, the committee didn't end up really adhering to them in terms of who they let in and who they let out. Yet, when they assessed teams, they brought up wet net rankings and they said, oh, well, these are the teams you beat in quadrant one based on net rankings. So it was this weird thing where where you ended up didn't seem to meet as didn't seem to mean as much as the results of games against net rankings teams. Total inconsistency. 
Yeah, it was just a jumbled up mess. I'm glad I wasn't doing as much bracketology this year because it's like, what do you make out of this? Yeah. I think they did. Listen, overall, again, I think they did a great job. Once they put Belmont in, I think everything else became sort of a secondary uh, nitpicky type of thing. But that would be the one inconsistency from an analytics standpoint. Let us do some props here before we get back to the uh, business at hand, South and Midwest regions. These are from the Westgate. These came out yesterday. And I'm curious, just... Obviously, you don't have to play all these, but if there's anything that sticks out. First of all, they did things by conference here over at the Westgate. Uh, you see it on the screen right now at vcin.com, the VEASAN app and Fubo TV. Uh, every conference pretty much, AAC, ACC, Atlantic 10, Big East, uh, Big 10, Big 12, and Mountain West on your screen right now. But On your screen right now, but basically what they did was take um, a group of teams from, or I guess all the teams from each of those conferences that are in the tournament, and they put a win total on them. So the ACC most prominently uh, with seven teams, their win total here is 15. Obviously, they got Duke and Carolina and Virginia among those seven teams, Greg. But uh, is there anything there on that screen anyway that leaps off the page for you? I would go under a half a win for the Atlantic 10. I don't think that VCU is going to be able to pull off the upset against Central Florida. I guess you wouldn't call it an upset since they're the eight seed. It just feels like an upset to me because I think Central Florida is a better team. And then St. Louis has absolutely no shot against Virginia Tech, in my opinion. Adam Stanko, who, of course, uh, also authored not only the Catch and Shoot podcast, which he's the host of, but has these uh, hoop quick hitters that are available at purehoopsmedia.com. If you need more information, he did 68 different videos, about a minute, minute and a half long on all these teams. Anything on this uh, screen that leaps off the page for you, Adam? Uh, no, I think 15 for, for the ACC seems a, a bit much. Um, I just think when you add them up in, in total, obviously – uh, I, I don't think we're going to see, you know, final four runs from, from all of these uh, ACC teams. So I, I think that's one that, that stands out. And uh, the other one to me is uh, is Big East. I, I'm not necessarily in love with the Big East this year. St. John's, uh, I don't expect to win their, their playing game. Marquette, we talked about, could lose, which would lead Seton Hall and Villanova to come up with four wins in total. And uh, I don't see that happening. So those are the two that I, I would say stand out to me. Yeah, ACC, obviously, you're uh, you're counting on big runs there to get over 15 if you want the over for, for Duke and Carolina and Virginia. Could happen, but that's what you're banking on, obviously, uh, in that case. Let's flip the screen because there's more conferences, and they do these by seedings as well uh, over there at the Westgate. Great job. Here's some more conferences. Ohio Valley, Pac-12, SEC, uh, West Coast Conference. Um, we got... Uh, then we have then we have seedings after that. So they do it by seeds. They also put together the win totals for the four number one seeds, number two seeds, number three seeds on down the line. For number one, it's 13, by the way, for Duke, Gonzaga, Carolina, and Virginia. Greg, anything here with the remainder of the conferences or the first three seeds? I think in regards to the seeds, I think that I would go over 10 on the number two seeds. I think that the two seeds are going to have a very good run of things. The one that I see getting knocked off early is Michigan. I don't think they make it past the first weekend, but past that, I do think that we're going to see a lot of two seeds be able to make the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Two seeds, by the way, Kentucky, Michigan, Michigan State, Tennessee. So you go over on that, Greg, at 10. Yes, sir. Uh, Adam, anything here? Yeah, I like the two seeds as well, but I also I'll tell you the the, the Pac-12. I expect Oregon alone to uh, to win a couple games in in this tournament. So plus you figure 
uh, Arizona State's going to have a really good shot against St. John's. I know everybody's been down on the Pac-12, but right now it's it's not Washington that's the team to look out for. It's 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 Oregon. So uh, I think one and a half is is certainly doable for the Pac-12. Westgate also has the remainder of the seeds here on the next screen. Uh, seeds four through ten. Anything there, Greg? Taking a look at this one, I think that the number nine seeds have a chance to be able to do a little bit of something. I've got Washington winning a game, and then I also have Central Florida, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. So I would have that as a little bit of a push at two. So that means I would go under on the number eight seeds. So under on eight, push on nine. Under on eight, which is set at two and a half. That's Mississippi, Syracuse, Utah State, and VCU. Over on the nine seeds, two is the number there. Baylor, Central Florida, Oklahoma, and Washington. Stanko, anything? Uh, no, I, I think number seven seeds, I, I, I like Nevada. Um, actually, no, I, and now that I think about it, Nevada's probably the only one out of that, out of that grouping. Um, no, uh, there's nothing that I'm, I'm in love with right. when we go through some of these, uh, some of these. All right, let's go to the next one here. Again, these props from, uh, the Westgate, every shop putting out props. Now here's where they get uh, pretty interesting though. These, these are all over the place. Total number one seeds to reach the final four. Uh, you have a will a number one seed win the tournament. Will any ACC team, then they go conference by conference. Will a team from each particular conference win the title? Will they reach the final four? Um, then you have uh, will any, yeah, there's pretty much all over the place here, conference by conference, both to win the championship, Greg, and then you have some other specialty props as well. Anything on this screen? I think the prop of will an ACC team win the national championship is so interesting because you do have three number one seeds. You've got yeah. Duke, you've got Virginia, you've got North Carolina. I do think that Someone's there is a to... lot of value there with the ACC, which yeah. it's almost sort of like the South Point versus a field sort of prop, only you've now got a prop of those three number one seeds versus a field. Well, you seized on one that I like. Will any ACC team win the national championship? And we have it right there. It opens at minus 110. I would assume someone would have banged that already on the S. And in fact, that's the case. That's at minus 150 now on the S. I still think that's value, though, at minus 150. I like that as well. Um, anything there, Adam? Yeah, I'm the same way in, in terms of the ACC. I think you have to look at the idea that not only Duke, but North Carolina has has the weapons to, to make a push. And, of course, we've talked about Virginia, people sleeping on them, and the idea that I really believe that we're going to see Duke, Virginia, or Gonzaga win this thing. And if you go with that logic, then, you know, hey, it's a, a two-and-three chance um, that you're getting a national champion there. And then I would also say uh, for a Big Ten team to win the title, the no side of that, I, I it just – don't see a situation in which we see a Big Ten national champion this year. So funny that you you two hit on the ones that I like the best: the yes on the ACC and the no on the Big Ten. What's that? What is that? Minus? What's it? Minus four fifty? Does that say there? Minus four fifty. That's that's huge, right? I still think that's a play. And you know the last team that won the title from the Big Ten, the Flintstones of Michigan State in two thousand. It's been a while, kids. Is that Mateen Cleaves? That is Mateen Cleaves. Yeah. All right, we got another another page here. Another page here, Mateen Cleaves, one of the great names ever. Okay, so now this is by uh, specific teams now. Sweet 16 propositions. Uh, will a certain team, lots of them offered here, get to the Sweet 16? These are yes or no propositions. And then there's a uh, first-round proposition there at the bottom, which is uh, the largest margin of victory in the first round, and that is set. What's the number there, Jeff? 37 and, 37 and a half. 37 and a half. So you're betting against a Gonzaga or a Duke or a Virginia. 
maybe none of the two seeds, just blowing out their opponent. Thirty-seven and a half. Would you would you bet that one over under? If I had to play it, I actually would go over because really? every year in one of these NCAA tournament games, we say, oh, 37 and a half is a lot. You've got a couple up-tempo teams that are 16 seeds. Iona, they don't play a whole lot of defense. They've been yeah. playing a little bit better recently. But then the winner of Prairie View a and versus FDU, <laughs> that is going to be a game in which you get Gonzaga, the number one team in regards to offensive efficiency in the country. That could turn into just a bloodbath. Well, you make a good point because those spreads could be, like the look-ahead spreads on those, I think are 30 or 35 respectively. So 37 and a half, not that much more, obviously, then. Oh, if yeah. Fairly Dickinson winds up losing to Prairie View A&M, I'd be all about that over. <laughs> okay. Anything on the individual teams here, Adam, or on that prop itself? Well, it's funny that Hoops Peterson says that about, about Gonzaga, Prairie View A&M. I, I, would, I would drive to uh, go catch that game because I'd love to see just how tired guys on Gonzaga would be for having, you know, wide open fast break layups. They'd, they'd exhaust themselves with the opportunities they'd get. Um, I think that uh, Auburn's going to make the sweet 16. I'm, I'm all about that. Jared Harper is one of the premier point guards so quick, almost impossible to stop. Um, and the way that Kansas played second half of the year, I, I, I just not that impressed. Auburn to me um, is a team that we we could certainly see in the in the Sweet Sixteen what's, easily. What's the yes on that, Jeff? Right now for Auburn making the Sweet Sixteen, that is plus one hundred and five plus money for you. At least that was the opener. We'll see if that moved at all in Auburn. Plus one hundred and five. Uh, one more page of this. One more page. Let's do one more. Again, these from the Westgate tournament wins, and there are all kinds of different uh, variations of this. Tournament wins by teams on the left-hand side of the screen at Fubo TV, the VEASAN app, and uh, VEASAN.com. You got Gonzaga, Kentucky, Carolina, Virginia, Duke, Michigan, Michigan State, and Tennessee. Each of those teams individually, they set a number, three and a half in the case of Gonzaga, for instance, in their region, three and a half for Virginia, where you see, uh, and, and by the way, three and a half for Duke as well. Everybody else there on the left side, two and a half is where it's set, the numbers for those teams respectively. And then on the right side, by the way, no parlays on all this, they stipulate. Uh, these are teams pitted against each other. Who's going to have the most wins? So you have matchups that are created, Duke, Virginia, Duke, Gonzaga, on down the line. Anything here, Greg? I do think that Kentucky will be able to win their matchup against Tennessee. I think that Kentucky makes a deeper run. And then I do like over two and a half wins for Michigan State. I think that this is a team that can certainly at the very least be able to make the Elite Eight. I know that they didn't get the world's greatest draw, but it's not like they're having to go through Murder's Row in order to get to the Elite Eight either. So I like Michigan State. Excellent use of Murder's Row, by the way, Greg. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, you liked one here on the right too, Buffalo? Yes, I, I love Buffalo on plus money against Maryland right now. That still sits at Buffalo plus 110 and Maryland minus 130. I, the Bulls are really good. The Bulls are going to have a favorable matchup in that round of 64. And you know what, C.J. Massenburg and that offense is going to have a real chance to give Texas Tech's good defense fits. I, I think Buffalo is a solid bet to get not only past round one, but into the Sweet 16. And Maryland, Maryland could get toasted Belmont, by Belmont. Belmont or yeah. Temple. I'd like the 11 regardless of who wins tonight. I still love you, Terps, but Belmont could beat you in an 11-6 game, assuming Belmont gets past Temple. Uh, Adam, last thing, anything here? Well, I really like Virginia and, and Gonzaga. I know it's chalk into uh, into the Final Four, and so that to me is what, what stands out. Florida State seems to be the only team that would terrify me if I was Gonzaga, but um, I still think they get by. Florida State, but, but Gonzaga and Virginia, I, I really like there. All right, South Region. On deck, right here. 
bracket by bracket. Greg Peterson, Adam Stanko, it's Gil Alexander. It's a numbers game right here at VEASAN. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. Broadcasting live from our VEASAN studios in Las Vegas. Off Twitter, this is from uh, JT, DSA1771. Gil, didn't you get the memo to wear a jacket for the show? G-Unit underscore 81. That's Greg's Twitter handle, looking like as though he's going to seal a deal. Sharp. Wonder if the afternoon guys will dress up. I do not follow fashion trends. I, I set them, Greg. I'm not following you guys with the jackets. Do what I want to do. But you look great, man. Beats the wrinkle shirt last week. Yeah, it certainly does. And we've got a lot of hair product in right now. I like it. <laughs> a lot of hair product. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, whenever the Mikey, whenever a big contract in baseball happens, people throw out Bobby Bonilla. Um, Bobby Bonilla getting... $1.19 million uh, still per year here. And so um, basically what you're seeing is that after after the length of Mike Trout's contract, which is still just ridiculous, again, $430 million, 12 years. And again, if you're Bryce Harper, you should be so angry at Scott Boris right now. Uh, but Bobby Bonilla will get a million plus per year, four years after the Trout contract completes. So Bobby Bonilla still with this greatest deferred payment contract ever good for him jeff you wanted to say something i'm sorry oh, no that's 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 just my my new york mets doing it in new york met fashion that's all i have to <laughs> that's add. right well done mets good for bobby Bonilla. let's start with the south region now i think you can debate which the toughest region is i'm going to go ahead greg and adam and say that the south is probably the easiest of the regions i don't think virginia has much of an excuse here they're the number one seed they're 29 and 3 on the year number two overall seed uh, but under Tony Bennett, we're going to throw out the game against UMBC. We're going to throw out all the games against non-15, uh, any game against any team that's not 15 or 16. Um, non-15, 16 games, Tony Bennett, four and five straight up uh, in the tournament, held his teams under 60 points in four of them. They're taking on Gardner-Webb, the running Bulldogs, the Big South tourney champs. This is in Columbia, South Carolina on Friday. Uh, and here are the odds, by the way, to win the South region. Now, we've been throwing those up for every uh, region. Uh, here they are. Virginia plus 125, Tennessee plus 275, and on down the line. Purdue, the only other team in single digits here at 4-1 to one in this region. But Virginia Gardner-Webb uh, is the matchup, the 116. I assume you have Virginia. I shouldn't assume it's Virginia, right? Can't do that anymore. I guess you have them advancing. Do you have them covering? I have them advancing, but... If you saw the opener, Gardner-Webb was catching 27 points. That was too many. Even at 23 and a half, it's still a couple too many. Gardner-Webb, a decent team at the free throw line. They've got a lot of guys there able to shoot from three. Now they're going to be completely out down on the glass. You've got guys like Jack Selt, Braxton Key. They're going to be able to eat up the glass. But Gardner-Webb is a team that's able to hit some shots. So I feel like 23 and a half points, a couple too many here. Adam, I'll stick, stick by what I told you yesterday. Any four-minute stretch, any media timeout stretch where Virginia does something poorly, I get texts from people like, here we go. It's Virginia all over again. Uh, this has, they, they have no excuses here in this region. None. I, 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 hear from, I hear from the same, maybe the same people. I think, Gil, we might be on the same text. <laughs> right. But I, I think, I mean, Gardner-Webb, third best team, even in the, the Big South, uh, had a run in, in their tournament. But I think Virginia, much like Michigan State, I think they've got a bad taste in their mouth. Of course, it's all they've been thinking about. And the way Tony Bennett handled it last year, I think, has just really been an underrated storyline. So much class and really respect. And I just thought that was awesome. And you, you People forget DeAndre Hunter didn't play in that game. Braxton Key, Alabama transfer. They're much more athletic, much better team in terms of their offense. They, they hit the 80s quite a bit this season. So 
Um, I mean, not just Virginia for this game, but I love Virginia in this tournament. I think they just need to get through the jitters and the nervousness about the opening round game, and they'll be in great shape. I was going to say, don't let this stay close long, because then, oh boy, the, the sphincter tightening, as they say. I don't know if they say it. Maybe I just said it. Winner of Virginia Gardner-Webb takes on the winner of the 8-9 game in the South. Uh, Ole Miss, Greg, against Oklahoma. Oklahoma 19-13 and on the year. One of these sub-500 teams uh, in their conference record. This is also in Columbia on Friday night. Uh, Ole Miss favored by two. Do you think Oklahoma belongs, A, and do you think Ole Miss is actually an underrated live sort of uh, team against a Virginia if they advance. I feel like Oklahoma is the most overrated, overseeded team out there in this field, and I do like Ole Miss in this spot. They've got guys in Brian Tyree and Terrence Davis. They both do a sensational job of being able to shoot from three. Now, the one thing I will say about Ole Miss, they are one of the worst teams in this field in regards to guarding the three-point line. I actually think they are the worst. But with that said, who from Oklahoma is going to be able to hit threes? Brady Manick is a little bit of a nice stretch player, but I don't have faith in that backcourt of Christian James and Jamal Bianimi. I'm going to be taking Ole Miss in this spot. I take them to win and cover. Win and cover, two-point spread. Uh, again, it's not necessarily a weakness if in, in this particular matchup, that three-point arc defense. Uh, Adam, your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm completely in agreement with uh, Greg's analysis there. I mean, Oklahoma went 8-11 and in their last 19 games. This isn't a team that's just, frankly, very good. They haven't been good for quite some time. Great stretch in the non-conference, but um, you know, they, they stood around a lot last year watching Trey Young and those same guys that were standing around, that's their team this year. And and meanwhile, Ole Miss has a terrific backcourt, as, as Greg points out. Tyree is a Jersey kid who can really light it up. Terrence Davis, Devontae Schuler. So I think I'm all about Ole Miss in this game. In fact, I, I think they blow them out. Uh, Adam, I'm going to let you start with this game because I know how much you're in the tank for Oregon right now. This is the 5-12 game in the South. Wisconsin and Oregon. It's in San Jose on Friday. Uh, Wisconsin, of course, out of the Big Ten. Ethan Happ leading the way. They're one-and-a-half point favorites. And again, I always say this. In any close Wisconsin game, just foul Happ. Really, that's the strategy. But you love Oregon. You are so bullish on them right now, aren't you, Adam? Yeah, I think people have totally... They Look, they wrote, they wrote off the... The Pac-12, and, and for good reason, because of, of the start of the year, and obviously how bad things were in, in December in non-conference play. That said, Dana Allman always figures it out late. He had Bull Bull, who um, was injured uh, just fairly early in the season. Lewis King didn't play the, the first part of the season. But now he made a change in his lineup, a guy that people do not know, Francis Okoro, who's a, a defensive freshman, 6'9", guy is pretty athletic. And between him and Kenny Wooten, who had a broken jaw, earlier this year uh those guys everyone's now healthy except for bowl bowl and defensively you can't score on them they're they've they've won their last eight games teams aren't scoring more i think they're averaging 57 points a game against them during that stretch oregon's phenomenal defensively peyton pritchard's really stepped his game up uh, at the point guard position he played in a final four so i think oregon is a much better team than than uh, than wisconsin right now and they're playing in san jose where they're going to have a lot of home hometown fans. So yes, I'm all over Oregon in this one. That is true. Those fans will travel to San Jose. Your thoughts here? This is a really tough call here because I do feel like Wisconsin has the best true low post player in this game in Ethan Happ. He fills it up, leads the team in points, rebounds, assists, blocks. He does a tremendous job in all those aspects. And then you've got Oregon. You've got a couple stretch players in Paul White and Lewis King, who was mentioned a little bit earlier. Payne Pritchard, a guy that started in a Final Four. I just think that guys like Demetric Trice, 
Brad Davison are going to be able to hit enough threes in this game. I know that on the Oregon side, Victor Bailey Jr. comes off the bench, averages right around 8.5 points, shoots 40% from three. He's impressive. And you do have a little bit of trepidation with Wisconsin having to travel to the West Coast for this game. Wisconsin certainly did not get any favors there with the geography, but I just feel like Ethan Happ is going to be able to do just enough to give Wisconsin the win and cover in this game. Winner of Wisconsin-Oregon will take on the winner of the 4-13 game, also in San Jose Friday night. Kansas State, UC Irvine. By the way, it's not Friday night. It's Friday day. Uh, Kansas State without Dean Wade here, share of the Big 12 regular season title uh, for the Wildcats. UC Irvine, the Anteaters were 30-5 and this year, Greg. Big West, Big West, rather, regular season attorney titles. Do the Anteaters have a legit shot here? The spread is four and a half. They are, ironically enough, playing in their home state as well against Kansas State, who's the four seed. So, Certainly, the people that made this bracket did not do Kansas State any favors, but I like the way that Kansas State came on during the second half of the year. One of the top teams in the country in regards to defensive efficiency, Barry Brown Jr. chips in 15.5 points. You've really got Xavier Sneed being able to be a stretch player that's able to hit some threes. Katir Diari, I'm pretty sure, is going to be out for this game. I handicapped it as if he was not going to be playing, but you also still have over there at the point guard spot, Kamau Stokes. He averages 11.5 points. He's been doing a better job of shooting threes. I think that Kansas State is going to be a lot down a UC Irvine team that, let's face it, they like to play a little bit slower themselves, but I think that Kansas State just has the better athletes. I'm going to take Kansas State to win and cover. Adam at Naismith lives on Twitter. Give me an upset here, Adam. Outright. UC Irvine. Come on. <laughs> I I can't do it. If you told me for sure, Dean Wade's out, which uh, I think there's a good good shot. A name for you, though, and, uh, for history purposes, Colin Belt is the, the son of former Pac-12 player, the Christian Belt. You may remember Washington's all-time leading scorer. Um, UC Irvine has uh, some guards that can really shoot it. If they get hot, they're certainly going to give K-State a scare. I just think the defense that the Bruce Weber squad plays with is just going to be too much. But look, having good guard play, guards that can shoot it, is always going to be, uh, you know, and then when your best player might be out, um, that might be the recipe for an upset. So I, I, I'm, I'm considering it. I'm close. But something is just telling me that I don't think UC Irvine's getting over the hump, despite the fact that they've been so hot as of late. All right, real quick here now. Let's do rapid fire. Rest of this region six, number six Villanova against uh, number eleven St. Mary's Gales. The Gales, of course, upsetting Gonzaga. Gonzaga just not showing for that West Coast uh, Conference tourney title game. This is in Hartford on Thursday. Villanova, three straight Big East tourney titles, regular season champs. Villanova five and a half point favorites. Greg. I actually am on Villanova to win and cover this game because St. Mary's has to travel from the West Coast to the East Coast. Villanova obviously did not end the year well, but you've still got a guy in Phil Booth that was able to win two national championships for this team. Eric Pascal, six foot seven combo player that shoots threes. Malik Fitz on the other side, going to be doing a very good job of being able to shoot threes for St. Mary's themselves. And St. Mary's, a very slow team, but I think that could play to the advantage of Villanova because they also like to slow down their tempo. All right, and in the interest of time, the winner of that game will take on the winner of the number 314 game between Purdue and Old Dominion. The Monarchs, Adam, Conference USA regular season and tourney champs also in Hartford on Thursday. The Boilermakers, 13-point favorites. Yeah, I mean, here's the issue. Old Dominion cannot score. So, uh, meanwhile, you compare that to a guy in Carson Edwards who's been somewhat inconsistent second half of the year, but explosive. He's an NBA player, plus the guys who could shoot it on Purdue. Purdue should run away with this one. Old Dominion loves a, a rock fight, and Bryant Stiss' son, yeah, DJ Stiff is their is their star. In fact, Brian's a, an assistant coach, but uh, this team just is in an offensive slump right now. Everyone's shooting poorly from the team, and and they already weren't good on offense. They're, I don't know where points are coming from from ODU, so I'm all over Purdue. Brian Stith, former NIT champion, Adam. Let's never forget.
You taking the points with yep. Old Dominion? I'm taking Old Dominion to win this game outright, oh, actually. That was not the one to skip Xavier over Xavier Green shoots over 40% for three. Dejir Dickens, seven-footer, comes off the bench for Old Dominion. What are you going to get out of Matt Harms? He has been so wildly inconsistent. And then Carson Edwards takes the most shot attempts of any player out there in this entire tournament. We've seen him go like 7 of 31 from the floor. And what Old Dominion does, top 10 team in regards to defensive efficiency. If they turn it into Carson Edwards having to take 30 shots, it plays right into their hands. Greg Peterson calls his shot. 14 over 3. Monarchs over the Boilermakers. ODU over Purdue out in the South. Final two games in the uh, South. Number 7, Cincinnati. The AAC tourney title champs against Iowa out of the Big Ten. I, honestly, I watched Iowa enough this year. I'm like, how are they, how are they in this tournament? Three and a half, I'm sorry, three and a half point favorites uh, in favor of the Bearcats here in this one. Uh, your thoughts here on this game? We are on Cincinnati. Jerron Cumberland has been averaging right, right around 18 and a half points. Looked terrific against Houston a couple days ago. Shoots 40% from three, along with Justin Jennifer. Trey Scott, a very nice combo player that's able to shoot some threes. Give this team some blocks. And Iowa, they have good three-point shooters, but the, other than Tyler Cook, they're not doing a good job down low. All right. Adam, Cincinnati as well? Yeah, I'm all over Cincinnati. Same reasons you, you give in terms of the, the Iowa team. I don't know if there's anything that I really love that they do well. They're they're efficient on offense. But but other than that, Mick Cronin's team plays tough defensively. Cumberland's tough to stop. And uh, they have senior point guards, including Kane Broom, who was top 10 in the country in scoring when he played uh, at uh, Sacred Heart. He transferred and has become more of a setup guy for this team. I, I I really like Cincinnati in this game. All right. Winner of that 7-10 between Cincinnati and Iowa will take on the winner of the 2-15 between Tennessee and Colgate. Colgate actually the top rated of the two seats, fifth overall, not Michigan State in this bracket from the committee. Colgate, the Patriot League tourney title champs. They've won 11 straight, half the Raiders. This is in Columbus on Friday. Tennessee's favored by 17.5. Tennessee's advancing, I assume. You taking points with Colgate? You can't even take the points here. I'm you? taking the points with you Colgate. Ibanez okay. Ravanuskis, six foot ten player. He's able to shoot well from three for Colgate, along with Wyatt Raymond. These are two guys that are six foot eight or taller. Shoot over forty percent for three. Jordan Burns, very good point guard. Assist to turnover ratio of two. For Tennessee, we all know that you've got Grant Williams, Jordan Bone. All those guys are very efficient, and I think that this could turn into an up tempo game. But I think that Colgate has enough three point shooting to be able to hang in there. All right, Tennessee coming off that uh, blowout loss to Auburn in the SEC championship game in the tourney. Uh, Adam, uh, you take the points here with Colgate or nothing for you here? No, I, I, Tennessee is, I think, too tough. That said, I do like Ivanowskis. Uh, he is, he's a fun player to watch. People are going to really enjoy seeing him play. Matt Lengel, good coach. They challenge themselves in the non-conference, but I mean, up front, if you don't have someone that can get Grant Williams out of the low post, forget it. It's going to be a long, long day for you. All right, South winner will take on the Midwest winner. We'll get to that final region next. The numbers game, bracketology, bracketpalooza, whatever you want to call it, right here at VEASAN. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VEASAN studios in Las Vegas. Back on the numbers game, where sports betting analytics live, actionable sports betting information. Again, we'll throw this in podcast form if you missed part of this. Seth Walder with his giant killers analytics on March Madness as well in there as well. Uh, I should say, VEASAN's all-access subscription package, uh, we should mention, where you can test your handicapping abilities against other subscribers in the third annual VEASAN Beat the Spread Challenge, where you pick uh, all of D1 men's basketball tournament games against the spread round by round, beat out your fellow point spread weekly subscribers, win $10,000, two nights at the South Point Hotel Casino, and a guest spot with Brent Musburger, my guys in the desert. Once again, let me just say this again. He may read a manscaping read just while you're on set. No promises, but it could happen. 
VEASAN.com slash challenge for all the details. Crash, uh, cash prizes of $250 will be awarded to the top point getter in rounds one, two, and three. So not just the grand prize, Greg, but also round-by-round prizes. We like that as well. One-year subscription, I should mention, $240 includes our college basketball tournament betting guide that'll help you handicap the tournament. Adam Stanko is here. Greg Peterson is here. We're going to try to get through the Midwest in uh, in very efficient fashion here. Let us begin with the 116 game. Carolina Tar Heels, their 17th number one seed of all time. The third overall seed in the tournament uh, itself. By the way, plus 160 to win the Midwest region. Here per the uh, Superbook at the Westgate. Kentucky's at plus 275. They're the second short shot here in the region. Uh, but UNC takes on Iona. The MAAC tourney title, the Gales. Uh, MAAC tourney title champs, I should say. The Gales, Columbus, Friday uh, night. Between UNC and Iona, 116, Carolina by 24, Greg. Yeah, this is not going to be a Gale Force win here for the Iona Gales. They come in winning 10 straight games, but with that said, North Carolina, I think, is going to be able to roll in this one. I would take the points here with Iona. 24 is just a lot of points, but North Carolina has everything working. Cameron Johnson shoots over 40% from three, and this team, such a good team in regards to rebound rate. See what you did there with the Gale Force wins, Greg. See what you did there. Thank you. Um, Adam, anything to add here? Kobe White, a first-round pick in the NBA draft, he's turning himself into a lottery pick before uh, it's all said and done. I love North Carolina in this game. That said, wouldn't it be great to see it be close? And EJ Crawford, a 6'6 junior, averages 18 a game. If he turned into this year's Harold Arsenault and really gave him a run, that'd be a lot of fun. Kobe White with the strange dribble to the side with five seconds left in that last possession against UNC in the ACC semis. A guy who makes great decisions. That was an odd one there on that final possession. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, winner of that game will take on the winner of the 8-9 game between Utah State, the Midwest, uh, excuse me, the Mountain West Conference, tourney title, uh, the tourney uh, champions against UW out of the Pac-12. Uh, regular season Pac-12 champs was Washington. Uh, no favors in round two. Whoever advances here obviously got to take on Carolina. This is in Columbia on Friday, 6.50 p.m. Eastern, 3.50 p.m. Pacific tip-off for this one. Utah State by three. This is a tough one because Utah State is one of the top five teams in the country with rebound rate. Washington, not necessarily great on the defensive glass, but what Washington has is a leader in steals in the country, Matisse Seibel. He averages over 3.4 per game. No other player in the country averages three or more, and I think that that's going to allow Washington to win, especially with Jalen Noel, guy that pours in 16 points per game and shoots over 40% from three. Going Washington here. Right. Yep. It's a little against the grain. Everybody's down on Washington. Adam, your thoughts? Oh, they're down on Washington because Pac-12 teams figured out this zone. But Mike Hopkins, I mean, think about what Syracuse does with their zone defense and how scary they are when they hit the tournament, regardless of where they're seated. Washington sort of falls into the same camp. The teams that saw them late in the year had a better shot against them. Matisse Steibel doesn't just block more than three shots a game, as Greg points out. I mean, doesn't steal more than three balls a game, but he also blocks two shots a game. Best defense player in the country by far, and he wreaks havoc on the top of that zone. If you haven't seen it, it's a nightmare. Sam Merrill's a good player. Utah State's a great offensive team, so it's going to be an awesome battle. Uh, Washington needs to find points from someone, but I do like Washington in this game in a, in a tight one. All right, so winner of, well, now we go to the next bracket here. It's Auburn and New Mexico State. It's a 5-12 game here in the Midwest. Auburn just crushed in the SEC uh, tourney. They're the title winners beating Tennessee big time in the title game. Against the New Mexico State Aggies, they are the WAC regular season and tourney champs. Aggies were 30-4 and four this year, Greg. Tigers six-and-a-half point favorites. And the Aggies are the number one team in regards to rebound rate in the country. And get this, they go 13 players deep. 
13. I've never seen a rotation that deep. A.J. Harris, a transfer from Ohio State, has done a just masterful job at the point guard spot for New Mexico State. Auburn is a team that really likes to generate seals, and they get points from the three-point arc. But New Mexico, a pretty good defensive team themselves. And with how deep they go, I think that Auburn is going to be the team that's tired in this game. I'm going to go with the New Mexico State Aggies to win outright and cover. To win outright. So off the heels of a 13-4 outright cover on Old Dominion. You go 12-5 here with New Mexico That was State. actually a 14-3. 14-3. Pardon me. I don't want to We've got some more you. coming. Don't worry. Oh, okay, we do. Uh, Adam, real quick on that one. Uh, I'm all over Auburn. I, I think New Mexico State's greatest strength, as, as Greg points out, is that backcourt, but I don't know that you're going to find a better backcourt in this tournament than Auburn's. And Love Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, um, Okiki is is a talented player at the wing position, so I definitely best defensive player Bruce Pearl's ever coached. I, I'm all over Auburn in this. You guys totally fight on that one. All right, I have a feeling this is the one that Greg was uh, was talking about right here because he did have a 14 over a three and a 12 over a five. I am going to guess that he's got a 13 over a four here. It's Kansas criminally overseeded here. 30 consecutive appearances in the Big Dance, the most all time for the Jayhawks, but they do take on number 13 Northeastern. Kansas seven point favorites here. Northeastern, the Huskies. Colonial tourney champs. This is in Salt Lake on Thursday. You're taking Northeastern, aren't you? Yes, sir. We're I taking Northeastern outright. They've got so many guys there able to go bombs away from three. Donnell Gresham, great player out there in the backcourt. I like what he's able to do. This team doesn't necessarily have great rebounding, but Alex Green is like six foot ten, two hundred and fifty pounds. He can do a good job down low. And Dedrick Lawson is having to do everything for Kansas right now. And I believe he's actually their top three point shooter. You're just getting nothing out of that Kansas backcourt. So correct me if I'm wrong. Your brackets then have a New Mexico State Northeastern 12-13 game in round two. Yes, we do, which means we've got double-digit seed in the Sweet 16. Yeah, so if you are, and by the way, if you're in an upset rewarded pool, that would be huge for you to get a 12 and a 13 in there again. You get the extra points in an upset rewarded pool. Always know the rules of your pool, for goodness sake. You know, if people play pools. Just saying. Uh, Adam, Kansas Northeastern. I'm not coming close to getting there. Uh, I think Vasa Pasika is a really good player out of Serbia, the 6'5 kid in, at, at Northeastern. They do have some shooters. But this team, uh, mediocre defensively. They play at a slow pace. Uh, I know they've been hot in their last 17. They've lost two games, and both of them were close. One was in overtime. That said, Dedrick Lawson, I, I don't know who on, on Northeastern is going to have a shot of, of stopping the kid. Uh, plus, Dotson's a, a draft pick as well. Quentin Grimes. I, I just think there's just too much talent regardless of the fact that it took, I mean, Kansas really, really struggled, uh, but they struggle with injuries. I think they figured some of that out. Mitch Lightfoot's been a difference maker for him. So I, I think that Kansas wins this game. And I don't, I don't even think it's that close, even though I don't love Kansas. I love them against Northeastern. All right. Disagreement here in the last couple. Now Kansas gets a four seed, Greg, and they get absolutely murdered by Iowa state in the conference finals. there, in the big 12, Iowa state gets a six seed here. The Cyclones 23 and 11 this year, they take on Ohio state. Another one of these big 10 teams that is such a meh, uh, the 11 seed Buckeyes, Iowa state by five and a half. And Ohio state looks better with Caleb Wesson back in the lineup. But with that said, you've got a pair of point guards in Nicholas Babb and and Halliburton that do a great job for Iowa State. Both these guys have an assist to turnover ratio greater than two. Halliburton is able to generate nearly two steals per game. He shoots 40% from three, like what he's able to do. Mariel Shayok It's cooled down a little bit towards the end of the year, but he's a good three-point shooter. And then with Ohio State, what, where's the three-point shooting going to come from outside of C.J. Jackson? I just don't see it. Iowa State laying the points and advancing. This is in Tulsa on Friday, Adam. 
Yeah, I'm all about Iowa State right now. I mean, they're they're one of the more talented teams in this whole field. I mean, Shayok's a, a Virginia transfer kid out of Ontario. Lindell Wigginson, who moved to the bench, uh, fantastic kid. He's going to be playing in the pros. Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, Iowa State is loaded, and and Ohio State. I mean, Greg points it out. I mean, returning Caleb Wesson's great, but who else? Who else do you have on Ohio State? There's really nothing to be that excited about. So, yeah, I'm all about Iowa State in this game. They've, they've figured things out. And when they're, when they're right, they're really good. Winner of that game takes on the 314 winner, Houston. AAC, regular season champs. Ninth overall seed in this tournament, 31-3 and three on the year. They take on number 14, Georgia State, the Panthers. Sunbelt, regular season attorney champs. This is also in Tulsa on Friday. Houston favored by 12. Houston, one of the best teams at being able to shut down the three so far this year. They've got a bunch of guys with some versatility. They don't necessarily have ideal size, though. And Georgia State's biggest kryptonite is that they don't do a good job on the glass. All but one of Georgia State's rotation players shoot at least 40% from three. That one guy, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Simmons, that pours in 18 points per game. You know what? We're going to take the points here with Georgia State, and I think Georgia State lights Houston up like a Christmas tree from Stop three. It. We're going Georgia State. Oh, you, wait, outright. Wait. Stop it. Really? Yeah. Georgia State. Panthers, baby. Who let you in here? Really? Hey. Are you taking Georgia State outright in this game? I'm taking Georgia I will State give outright. You, I will give you so much credit if this happens. Because I think Houston's poised for, for a run. Or, Gain, they, or they'll break people's hearts. Gain like Williams, their point guard. He shoots nearly 50% from three. They just have so many deadly shooters. Houston Adam, has not seen a team like this all year. Adam, please back me up. You know what? <laughs> I like Hoops Peterson a lot in this game. I, I'm in agreement with him. I mean, look, there's some players on Georgia State that are transfers. Devin Mitchell's an Alabama transfer. You've got uh, wow. David Wilson, a pit transfer. They are not going to be scared to play. And by the way, you mentioned DeMarcus Simons. I mean, this is a kid that he, he's a future NBA player, I think. I mean, he could dunks with both hands, 6'3", junior, really gets after it. He's been struggling from the field lately, but they have some other guys that can play. I mean, Malik Ben Levy hit a game-winning three against Alabama. He shoots 41% from three. At the very least, Georgia State is going to challenge Houston, and I think Houston could crack, and, and we could see Georgia State winning this game. So, yeah, might as well say it, too. Georgia State over Houston. Let's both go for it. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. Houston did so show a little uh, little cracks in the armor, if you will, this uh, this past weekend. They're not hitting the threes. Things can and go they're not looking good quickly. at the free throw line, either. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was their thing. That's how they lost the tournament last year, too, against Michigan. Couldn't hit free throws down the stretch. Um, still. Give me Houston, for God's sakes. All right, last two. Um, we'll do them together in the interest of time. Wofford, Seton Hall. Congratulations, Terriers of Wofford. Southern Conference uh, champs shooting over 40% from uh, three. Fletcher McGee leading the way. But you get to play Seton Hall, who's who's very hot right now going into the tournament. And then if you win, you get to play Kentucky. So no favors here in the 7-10 game for Wofford, who are three-point favorites. And then Kentucky, Abilene, Christian. Uh, they'll play the winner of that, Greg. I've Wofford in this spot. They've got four guys that shoot over 40% from three, including one of the best spot-up shooters out there in this tournament in Fletcher McGee. Seton Hall, other than Miles Kale and Miles Powell, nobody on this team shoots over 30% from three. That's a big woe. And then Kentucky, Abilene, Christian. Kentucky he's going to win this game, but Abilene Christian, a team that was sub 500 in D2 play seven years ago, now in the NCAA tournament, I actually think they, they, they can cover the spread because they do a good job of being able to force turnovers. Wildcats, Southland tourney champs, uh, Wofford, Seton Hall, and uh, Kentucky Abilene Christian to close it out, Adam. Well, I, I really like uh, Wofford as a team. It's going to be fun to see Wofford, Seton Hall because of not just Fletcher McGee, but Miles Powell is a confident player. So seeing two guys that shoot from deep, love to, to Jack, and, and then both guys are extremely confident. It's going to be fun to see that matchup between McGee and Powell. But I, I like Wofford. They're playing at a high level right now. 
Um, and they, they really don't turn the ball over much. So I think because of that, I, I got the edge to Wofford. And then uh, Kentucky all over, um, Abilene Christian. Um, Kentucky has the most future NBA players of any team in, in, this, uh, in this tournament, and it's really not even close. They, they have a ton of NBA talent, and just their issue is which lineup works best for them. I think they, they struggle to figure that out sometimes. All right, both of those games in Jacksonville on Thursday. We will get Greg and Adams' final four picks. want to ask him about this prop. It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VEASAN studios in Las Vegas. Remember, if you're in town for the week, tomorrow, Brent Musburger, our own here at VEASAN, he'll be hosting Betting and Buds with Brent. That's tomorrow from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. at the South Point Hotel Casino with Chrissy Andrews, Vinny Maliulo, NASCAR's Brendan Gaughan, and Mike Palm from the D in Las Vegas. VEASAN's team of experts going to break down the teams, the lines, the bracket, They'll take questions, tape the show for broadcast on VEASAN. Should be a whole lot of fun, and it is free. Don't cost you nothing. There'll be $1 Budweiser brands available. I should mention that. From 5 to 8 p.m. in the South Point's Grandview Lounge. It's right by the Racing Book. Hope you'll join us. Brent Musburger, betting in buds with Brent tomorrow evening here at the South Point. Uh, Let me just state for the record, in that region, in the Midwest, Greg has advancing from the first round. Man, New Mexico State, the 12th seed, Northeastern, the 13th seed, and Georgia State, the 14th seed. And you have Georgia State going to the Sweet 16, which means you have two. Yes, I do. I have them advancing over Iowa State in my personal bracket. Wow. Oh, man. Good stuff from you out of the last one. All right. uh, Before we get to your final four picks, I bet a prop at uh, MGM total uh, sum of seeds to make the final four. They set it at 11 and a half. I went under, which means, you know, if it's a one, one, three, three, let's just say I'm eight. I win the bet. The only way I get torpedoed is if a, a, a one of the higher seeds gets in there. Seven seeds, six years in a row, a seven seed or higher has gotten into the final four. Tell me the team that is, if I'm going to lose that bet at 11 and a half, what's the team that's going to torpedo my bet? Maybe Florida. They're the one of the chic teams I like because they're really doing a good job of being able to hit threes. But with that said, I think see that streak coming to an end. I have all ones and twos in my personal final four. I do too. See, I'm with you. Not quite the chaos you have in the first two rounds, but chaos and then it normalizes exactly come the second weekend. I think in a in a big way. All right. Uh Greg, your final four, sir. We've got Virginia, and they're in the final four going to be taking on Kentucky. And then on the other half, you've got Gonzaga versus Michigan State. Wow. So one, two, one, two for you. Exactly. Finals. And then you've got Virginia versus Gonzaga and Virginia cutting down the net. Oh, Virginia Cavaliers. Wahoos, you hear that? Your national champions, according to Greg Hoops Peterson. Let all the haters hate. It's over, according to Greg. Adam, final four, and give me your champ. Uh, I've got Duke. Uh, Gonzaga, Virginia, and Kentucky. One, 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 two. Who you got winning yeah. the championship game? I've got Gonzaga over Virginia. Gonzaga, he says it with a sigh. He's so upset. I don't. By I, I am resigned. That is that is difficult. The other teams, by the way, if I was to say Texas Tech. Uh, I think could could possibly make a Final Four run, and Auburn is another team that that also would would scare me. So I'm not as confident on Gonzaga and Auburn as I am with with um, Virginia and Duke to reach the Final Four. Okay, I got a one, 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 and three. Texas Tech is my three getting into the Final Four, but I got Duke beating Carolina in the championship. Greg Peterson at G Unit underscore eighty one. Oh. Yes, sir. All right, and uh, at Naismith lives Adam Stanko. Thank you both very much. Two very generous hours. Gil Alexander, Jeff Carl, everybody, thank you.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 